Welcome to the Beach and Black Podcast, an award-winning, unofficial podcast on Prince. For over 10 years, giving you Prince news, reviews, trivia, and all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the host, Rob S. I think the craziest thing that's happened is when Prince invited me and Captain to meet with him in New York in 2010. Captain. Anytime Prince gets on the guitar and he starts getting up near that top fret, just get ready to blow your head off. Player. Oh my god, that's the Minneapolis sound right there. Toe Jam. There's just layers and layers of stuff going on in his music all the time in every speaker. Find Peach and Black on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Hi, this is Eden Nelson. This is Tony Young. Hi, this is Larry Graham. This is Mr. Hayes. And you're listening to... And you're listening to... And you're listening to... And you're listening to... The Peach and Black Podcast. The Peach and Black Podcast. The Peach and Black Podcast. The Peach and Black Podcast, baby. Now over to our host, Rob S. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast. We're gathered here around these virtual microphones. Let me rephrase that. Real microphones, but a virtual round table with the Peach and Black podcast panel player. When it comes to prints, it's not what you know, but who you know. Uh Uh-huh. Toe Jam. They won't say that you're naive if you play what you believe. (laughs) And Captain. If you ain't busy for the next seven years, that's about how long these podcast reviews is going (laughs) to end up being. (laughs) I thought you were going to say that's how long we're going to keep going for. Another seven years. (laughs) Up until 2027. That would be insane. And it's it's me, Rob S, in the place to be with all of you. With all of you, we are here to talk about 1999 Super Deluxe, this whole release and everything that came along with it. But before we go into that... There's a new release? Yeah, that's right. Before we go into all that good stuff, I have to say that this is our final show of the year. (gasps) (laughs) Gotcha. Um, (laughs) You got my my hopes up for a second there. I know. Well, (laughs) you and only you... Hopefully our listeners weren't weren't as excited as Captain was when I mentioned that. But the reality is, this is it. This is the end, not only of 2019, but it's the end of our 10th anniversary year. And it's the end of the decade, as Player reminded us just recently, just before we got onto the um, recording. It's just crazy. You know, we've been doing this for a, a decade. <laughs> over, over a decade. Over 10 years. This is technically the end of our 11th year, which is... Insane. A minor miracle. Hey, you know what's scary? Yeah, it's a minor miracle. Peach and Black podcasts span three decades. Ah, yes, yes. We started in the As 2000s. Of next year. Wow. We went all through the 2010s. That's some great marketing. We're going into the 2020s. Look at that. Going into the That's 2020s. Insane. Look at that. That's absolutely insane. We've got a long career. Okay, well, with that loud, loud bang of an explosion to open this show, let's go into another explosive aspect of this podcast, which is 1999, the Super re-release. Deluxe. Well, there's a 1999 re-release, there's a Deluxe, and of course, we're going to talk about the Super Deluxe right now. Everything. The whole kit and caboodle, as we say down here in the land down under. I'm getting ahead of myself. This is part one, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Part one of our mammoth, I guess, (laughs) five-part, five or six-part review. I don't know how many parts are in this, but this is part one. We're going to just do an overall impressions, uh, talk about... I mean, the entire release, right? The whole six-disc Super Deluxe set. But there's a whole lot of extraneous stuff that's related to that that we're also going to get into. Yeah, I mean, let's just kick it off, right? This came out 
very recently, but we have had a chance to digest it mainly because it's available on streaming services. I'm talking about the music now, of course. That's allowed us to listen to all the material, just like everyone else. Toe Jam has got a copy Indeed of this. Indeed I do. Six Toe Jam's got disc. one of about probably 16 copies in the entire country. That's my guess. <laughs> <laughs> in Australia, yeah. I think there's a few more floating around. I think overseas. I was very lucky. I was very lucky. I pre-ordered it a few days before it was released. Because I was starting to hear these rumors that oh it might not be as you know available as you might think so I thought well oh, I better put the pre-order yeah. in and I got it on day of release no issues got a text the night before saying it's available I'm like sweet no problems whatsoever so lucky. very lucky yeah, yeah that's pretty remarkable that's pretty remarkable I mean now of course you know th- there are places that have had issues with the release you were as you said fortunate I mean you can order it off the official print store with no problem but it ha- it's been available the whole time from the print store. But we're talking, you guys are listening to this, but this is weeks after the initial release, right? So there was a bit of a hoopla on day we'll one. We'll get into the which whole we'll get into. stock distribution <laughs> we'll get into later on. Yeah. But for anyone listening, you can order it on the official print store. So if you haven't got it yet, that's probably a good place to go. And obviously check other places online, Amazon, etc. Let's get, we've got so much to talk about. Oh, let's just say we have like a rough plan of how we're going to go through this, but we're probably going to end up jumping all over the place anyway. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about the content itself. This super deluxe edition, which is the best, most complete edition you can get, uh, whether it's CD or vinyl, that's up to you, but we're going to talk about the CD version. That's easier to get your hands on these days, it seems. So just to be completists and to make sure we got all of our facts straight, the six disc set that we're going to talk about today contains the 1999 remaster of the original album. It's got a second disc of promo mixes and B-sides that have also been remastered, Ooh. lovingly referred to as the Frisbee disc on the Pigeon Black <laughs> podcast. We'll get to it. Uh. And then there are two full CDs of unreleased material slash vault tracks. Mm, yummy. There's CD3, which has tracks recorded from between November 81 to April 82. CD4, which has songs recorded from April 82 to January 1983 which is a couple of months, two or three months after the actual release of the album. And then you've got CD5, which is a previously unreleased audio concert performance live in Detroit, 30th of November, 1982. So just after the album's come out. The second show, the late show. Second show Mm. of that night, right? Yes. Yes. So that on its own is remarkable because it is the first full official concert that's come out in Prince's career. Mm. I think we spoke about this. Yeah, just insane. Absolutely insane. And then to top it all off, if audio wasn't enough for you, they've thrown in a DVD of a full performance. Live in Houston. Yeah, 1999 tour, 29th of December, 82. And that's a DVD, which again is completely previously unreleased. And that's exclusive. That is exclusive to the physical releases. It's not on any streaming services. It's nowhere except Mm. in the physical copy that you buy. Yeah. So you've got to get the super deluxe, either CD or vinyl version. And if you're money conscious, I strongly suggest the uh, deluxe CD version. But wait, that's not all, folks, because it comes in a... I mean, I'll let ToeJam explain exactly more a little bit about the packaging and the box that it comes in and the booklet. But it does come with a booklet with uh, liner notes by Rolling Stone magazine's David Frick... Duff McKagan of Guns N' Roses, of course, and Minneapolis music scene commentator and radio personality Andrea Swenson. Mm. 
if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, detailed notes by our friend, Purple Dwayne. I mean, uh, Dwayne Tudal, a well-known Prince scholar. So he's got some notes on the vault tracks. There's some previously unseen photography, some rare stills from Alan. I'm going to butcher this. Bolu. Anyone want to take it? Ooh, Bolu. There you go. Alan Bolu. That's how we say it on the show. <laughs> and Prince's handwritten lyrics as well to, to a few of the tracks. I guess before I go into what you guys think overall, uh, Toe Jam, just quickly on the packaging slash booklet, since you've got it, mm. um, or even, the I guess, the physical, tangible aspect of the set. What, what did you think of that? I think it's great. I think it looks awesome with the silver mirror kind of outbox, I guess you'd call it. Larry Graham mirror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the booklet's really good. It's um, clear, really good photos in there, especially of the master tapes and the, you know, with Prince's scribblings on the tape boxes saying what's on the tape and that kind of thing. Um, handwritten lyrics for maybe half the songs. Of, that includes the album and the outtakes as well. Um, some great live photos that look really good. Great photos, like really crystal clear live photos. It all, well, my CD fits nice and snug. There's no like, you know, we often talk about when you buy these sets and the discs, you rip the box when you're trying to open it. None of that. It all fits mm. nice and neatly. Um, I think they've done a really excellent job on the packaging. Um, I think it's the best packaged Prince product I think I've seen. Uh, it's really good. Wow. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, definitely. When I think of other Prince box sets, like the One Night Alone set, you know, that thing's all wobbly and things fly around everywhere. You think of the mm-hmm. um, the recent releases like the Forever and the um, Purple Rain mm-hmm. Deluxe, and it all kind of flops around and it's hard to get the CDs in. Like, this is a really, really quality set, box set, I think, in terms of the packaging. And just quickly on that, on the packaging of the individual disc, they're sturdier cases, right? They're not super flimsy, the actual cases for each disc, because well, there's six of them. Yeah, they're the cardboard cases but yeah they're they're firm Mm. enough and there's no trouble getting the disc in and out which is good yeah um i did notice though i don't know i saw some photos because on the spine of mine it's purple with red font but i've seen some photos online where it's has white font so i'm like are there a few different Mm. versions out there i I was just looking at that today there is some sort of mispressing and there was like one of the stamps which says like vault tracks in red part vault track part one or something was stamped okay in the wrong place it was actually on the back or something instead of on the side so there are some okay. issues like that no. <laughs> i remember before i opened it i heard a story online about someone who had two copies of disc three or something like that oh, and i was like oh ouch. man i hope this is not like a, a big mistake that's happened everywhere but thankfully mine was all good so that's actually not that bad when you think about it that's true you, you, <laughs> you could what get you, what you don't want is you don't want two two copies of disc two well then you could play frisbee with both hands so yeah, let's bring a friend and play yeah. frisbee. <laughs> and look, I, I know that we're going to talk about this super deluxe package that Toe Jam's just, you know, completed his um, assessment of the of the physical product of. But the reality is there are other packages available. You can just buy the remastered CD or vinyl. You can buy the deluxe edition, which gives you the remaster of the album plus the uh, edits slash B-sides slash, again, lovingly referred to as the frisbee disc. Or you can get this. Right, those are the main configurations, configurations. Uh, yeah. that, are, that are available. So, um, CD and vinyl. Yeah, CD and vinyl in all in all issues. And I don't know how many people. In fact, I don't know anyone personally who's just bought the remaster on its own or the deluxe version. Any of the hardcore Prince fans are either listening to and enjoying the collection now, or deluxe collection. Sorry, super deluxe collection. Or they're waiting for it, right? That seems to be the trend. 
Yeah. I don't know that too many people are walking into a shop just buying for the remaster on its own. Yeah, I think it's kind mm. of odd, isn't it? The fact that they've got three different CD versions. If they've got the standard single disc, they've got the double disc, and then they've got the, the five slash six disc. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I can't see too many Prince fans being all that interested in just in buying the two CD one. I think if you're a big enough Prince fan that you want that second disc that has like mono edits and stuff like that then you'd want get into. all of them if you want that you're going to want the whole thing so I can't, you want all of it yeah exactly, i can't see yeah. too many people buying that two disc one but anyway that's that's just me and then yeah. on the other hand yeah. you've got casual fans who are like oh look 1999 remastered yeah they know they, they're they not going to go for yeah. the two disc either so it is sort of mm. a weird exactly, yeah. configuration to sell the one in the middle seems pretty odd but uh, who knows? But the other thing is that the market seems to do this for artists in general. You'll have just an album remastered, then you'll have some a little bit more. It's like the good, better, best. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a marketing decision. Okay, let's get into this 1999 Super Deluxe Review Part 1. First impressions, let's go around the virtual roundtable. General thoughts, player. Uh, yeah, uh, well, 1999 is one of my favorite albums. I think we discussed this in our review. Just back-end story for the previous listeners that have just joined us and they're new. We have reviewed this album previously. It's a two-part track-by-track album review. Go listen to it. But this is the Super Deluxe Edition, which is 65 audio tracks. 35 of them are previously unreleased and 24 are from The Vault. It's fantastic. I've been critical of the um, estate releases previously. Um, what? And I've said, you? no. <laughs> Mic drop. Um, and I think originals, I said, we're, we're facing the right direction. This this release, we're stepping in. We're definitely stepping in the right direction. Keep stepping. Yeah. I like the fact um, they've remastered the tracks. They've considered everything. They've considered everything in terms of unreleased songs, B-sides, remastering packaging like there's been a lot of thought put into it where some of the previous releases seemed a bit of a quick um cash grab i guess but this is this seems very very well thought out so the, the fact that they've put a lot of time into the packaging and all the elements to it i think it's it's really good there are some things that that I, i'm critical of but it's if if i was going to really hone in on it it'd be like really nitpicking so on in the general encompassing terms of the whole project it is it is very good all right i'll follow up quickly before i hand it over to captain i'm pretty much exactly like you in that how could you possibly again talking about the super deluxe version only here how could anyone possibly be disappointed in general there are aspects that again we're going to get into but as a complete package it's pretty darn good i mean you're getting the remaster i'll skip over disc two you're getting so much (laughs) (laughs) You're getting so much unreleased content that not only some people have never heard, but others have heard lower quality versions of and have now got pristine versions or as close to pristine as we may ever get. So that's fantastic. Then you've got a bloody live show from arguably the greatest live performer in music. And that's just an audio disc. And then you've got a bloody DVD to go along with it as well. So you're getting... His studio work, his unreleased slash rehearsal work. Yes, you're getting B-sides and mixes of stuff that's come out before. You're getting a concert show that you can listen to, a concert show that you can watch. You're getting a beautifully made package, mainly based on ToeJam's comments and things that we've read online, for those of us that are still waiting for our physical copies. And then you're getting this, you know, booklet that isn't flimsy. It's got plenty of content. It gives you some, some level of assessment and criticism. Dwayne talks about 
or provides detail, I should say, around some of the vault stuff, how could you be disappointed? It's uh, overall, overall, I'll make the, that point in bold, overall as a general first impression, they've really hit it out of the park. You know, if they're gonna follow this blueprint as far as the actual package itself for future releases, I think we are in for a huge treat when they mm. start doing this for other albums. It just, you start salivating thinking they're actually gonna get this right as far as giving you albums that are remastered, songs you've never heard before, and then potentially live concert footage in one package. Like, it's just incredible to think about what's, what p- could be coming. But we're talking about now, and I'm, I'm really happy with what they've put out generally. So, Captain, over to you. Okay. Now, as Player said, we're not reviewing the 1999 album, the songs themselves, as we did that full album review some years ago. And we actually just put those individual track reviews all on YouTube. So go and check out that if you haven't already. Uh, We're just going to be talking about the packaging and the remaster itself. The differences we can hear between the original release and this 2019 version. And the actual first remaster, which is not this one. (laughs) Say what? Uh, We'll get get there. We'll get there. We'll We'll get get there. there. But uh, yeah, I don't want to start negative. I just but there's there's things, there's so many things. Overall, like 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 everybody said, overall, I don't think there's many people doubting it. This so far is the best release from the estate. It's um, this is what we want. Purple Rain Deluxe was okay, but then they hadn't fully gone through the vault tracks and sorted out what they had tapes for and what were actually on cassettes and stuff like that and now we've got this which is an actual super deluxe edition uh we're we're ready for it now it's i think there's been enough time that we can fully enjoy this all these vault tracks so yeah overall again i'll agree with everyone it's bloody great all right toe jam uh overall general impressions from your end yeah i'm gonna go a step further and i think i said this to one of you guys sometime this week. I Not only do I think that this is the best Prince release from the estate, I think it's potentially one of the greatest Prince releases ever. I mean, wow. even in, in course of the time that Prince was alive. I think what was the closest thing to this prior? Man, it's probably like Crystal Ball or the Lotus Flower 3 CD set or something like this. I mean, hmm. a package like this that is just so jam-packed with quality content, it really is a fantastic release. And I, and I really like the care that's gone into it in every aspect, the packaging the the ideas for what they're doing on each disc, the fact you've got variation all centered around 1999, the album. Um, and it is crazy to think that every single thing in these six discs basically covers a period from about 15, 14, 15 months in Prince's life at the age of 22, 23. Why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we've basically got three and a half discs of quality studio material two discs of live shows from a you know a 23 24 year old it really is mind-boggling it really is um like i'm, I'm a massive miles davis collector always has been he's known as one of the most prolific artists he put out an album every six eight months whatever and you know so 10 15 years ago they started putting out his back catalog with additional tracks and normally what would happen is each album would come out and there might be two maybe three at the most outtakes from those sessions i mean this one it's like two and a half, three discs worth of outtakes and their quality. It's, it's unbelievable. And then, you know, the 1999 album itself is a double album. Mm. It, it, 
boggles yeah. the mind. This is from a fifteen month period. They, and then he also had the Vanity Project and the Time oh, Project. The time. Yeah, when you yeah when you count all that sort of stuff, it yeah. just it really is so mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, can you can you imagine what the super duper <laughs> uber deluxe version uh, version would have been? You would have had the Time second album. You would have had the Vanity Six album. Then potentially you could have had the time and vanity six opening acts yeah uh, on the dvd Their live show yeah i mean yeah that's just insane maybe even commentary from like a morris or someone who was around at the time what the heck i mean there are there and even with all this there are a couple of omissions that we'll get to that are kind of interesting mm. um but yeah overall i think this is the best prince thing ever possibly ever put out <laughs> uh, wow when you think I mean really it's my, it's my favourite album too and the care that they put into it and everything that's there is like yes this is what we want this is my favourite album this is what I this is how I went want my favourite album represented and I really hope they put the same care into other albums in future releases so nice well, one the thing is, get to that. Yeah. the thing is I mean they've set the bar yes with this release they've set the bar so high could have been higher we'll get to that there are some things yeah there are some things mm. we're going to get to that but they've set the bar so high for like a super deluxe release. We can only hope that continues because I see it, you know, it'd be very hard for them to step down now from this level without can I, causing some commotion. Can I just mm. say one thing specifically about the actual box that it's housed in? Please, for future releases, can you keep that up so that when your collection sits on the shelf, there's consistency? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I would like that. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, there's nothing There's nothing worse than having it go chronologically and you've got, like, a slim digipack slipcase, then a massive box, and then it goes back to a digipack, and then you've got all these sort of different... If you could actually... Warner Brothers or whoever, whoever's in charge of that, if you can actually keep that consistent all consistent. the way through and have, and have these super deluxe releases in that same box format... That'd be like really awesome because then you could have the whole collection lined up in a row and it, yeah. it just that consistency that would look that's the sort of bar that you got to keep you know when you're considering these future releases you got to have that in your mind all the time you know what not only what the content is but how it's presented yeah like you go to any music shop if you can find one that still exists and they've got On a the section planet. with where all the <laughs> where all the box sets are there's like 50 different sizes of box that a box yeah, set could are. be and yes, correct, you know yeah. when you're trying to put that on a shelf that's fine if you want to like display it on the wall or something but when you're putting it on the shelf with all the other cds it has to fit in there mm. and yeah if they can maintain consistency with these releases like the size of the box sets that would be a very nice thing to do let's hope that would look super cool on the shelf wouldn't it like imagine all, yeah. as an example all the 80s albums having a super deluxe edition and same size same dimensions of the box same yeah, width to it correct you yeah. just look at your shelf, shelf. you look at your shelf <laughs> and then you just go look at all that work that one guy put in well one guy and all the people around him was he from minneapolis <laughs> are you sitting down <laughs> Let's keep the show moving. We've spoken a little bit about packaging artwork, liner notes. Uh, I'll throw it over to Tojem again just to give a little bit more uh, insight into maybe some things that he hasn't mentioned. And then I'll throw to you guys as well. But before I do that, the one thing, and Tojem, I'm sure you're going to vouch for this, not having it in front of me, but that I very quickly identified when I looked at pictures of that box online was the lyrics to the song 1999 and how awesome they look on that package. Because when you pick up the vinyl copy and you spin it around, this goes all, all the way back to the original vinyl, came out in 82. The lyrics to the song were printed on the back. But there's just mm. something about 
looking at that on that super deluxe box on the back yeah yeah, on the back that is super cool because the cd it just it doesn't have the same thing but that the box makes it look like such a more yeah. I don't know. It just looks serious. It looks like this serious, it's like serious. I was <laughs> dreaming when box. I was dreaming when I wrote this that bit. So forgive me if it goes astray. It has that correct, printed on the correct. back? Yeah, it does. Kind of. There's something not quite right about it. Um, but I woke up this morning and I could have sworn it was. And I was like, no, isn't it? There's something not quite right there. But when I woke up this morning, could have sworn it was. So it should have been. There shouldn't be an and, and there should have been coulda, not could have. Just mm. <laughs> how's that for a little. Tinking gripe. There we go. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's it. This now is, we're getting this granular. This is the deep worst dive. release. This is just absolute... It's tr- disgusting. <laughs> we demand perfection. Actually, you know, I was looking at that the other day, and I, every time I hear that, that first couple of verses, I think he's saying trying to run from my destruction. That's what I've always heard, trying to run from my destruction, but it's trying to run from the destruction. I had to listen to it. I'm like, actually, I think it is the. Mm. My favourite song oh, of all time. On. I've been Your singing the wrong word song? the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, any more final comments about the actual box itself? You're holding it in your hot little hands. No, it's great. Let me just say, um, I just want to say something yeah. about the packaging, even though I haven't seen it or touched it or anything. Like, <laughs> ToeJam says it's great quality, but from what I've seen of people doing, like, unboxing things online, it doesn't look that great to me. Until I've got it in my hands, like, you know, I can't say. But just from what I've seen, it doesn't look that great. But again... What, what do I know? It's interesting. I was going to say the opposite. Even though I haven't touched it, I thought that on that super deluxe unboxing, it looks freaking awesome. Like it's shiny. It's got a something. It's got I don't know a presence about it. Even I'm talking. I can't believe I'm talking about a cardboard box. <laughs> so let's just let's talk about let's just cardboard. Move on, unless you guys have. <laughs> but like the discs, no, I don't have any more to say about the packaging. The discs themselves good. are in like little cardboard digi packs, just like you know originals mm. was. They just sit in this box. Yeah, that's super cool. That is super cool because if you open up Purple Rain Deluxe and uh, all you have fault. to do is open yeah. it up. Yeah, all you have to do is open that up once and it's ruined. Mm. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. But <laughs> this doesn't have that. This has got this itemized order of the contents within it and they put put it in that box and it just sits there. And that's it's so simple. That's how it's supposed to be. There's also a little loose leaf that just has like the track listing of the five discs. So you can have that there rather than trying to flip through the booklet to find out what tracks what on, what's uh, on. You can just have it on that little loose leaf, which is good. That's great. I think I'm just like really cool. old school. I like those plastic jewel cases and not cardboard digipack things. I, I think you're old school. <laughs> they they old just school. protect the stuff so much better. And I know it's obviously mm. cheaper to do, make a cardboard digipack and that's why everyone's doing it now. But, you know, mm. I just see that as the cheap way out. But over time, it wears every time you handle it. It just yeah. a can get case, bent it's all or protected. dented. Or, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll see how these these, right. these packages look in a year or two. Okay, so are we, are we moving on from packaging moving slash on. liner notes, etc.? Let's talk about the reason we're here. And that's the yeah. remaster of the 1999 mm. album. Uh, I'm not sure that's the reason why we're here, but let's talk about it. <laughs> we're, not, we're not here for that. Let's go home. Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, what can we say about this? Hmm. Well, what we can definitely say is that the album has been remastered. Mm. What's the Not sticker? the first time. What, thing, what's that sticker on the front one thing say? We can say. <laughs> well, it says the very first time. Mm. Uh, I might is, have a dispute with that claim. Well, well, I was about to lead us into that, but why don't you open, open <laughs> up the phone lines, Captain? <laughs> this is the remaster of this album. I mean, you compare this massive epic release to... Uh, say piano and a microphone. I keep coming back to that for some reason. 
Um, the piano and microphone 993 that came from a dirty old cassette tape that Prince rolled over in his motorbike 35 years ago. <laughs> Compared to that, <laughs> this is what we want. Sure, we're going to whinge about the cost and this and that and tracks that are here and not here, but we'll, we'll deal with that. But the remaster itself, I've got three main points. One is the sticker on the front, which is <laughs> falsely advertising that this is remastered for the very first time. I mean, yeah. come on, seriously. How? So how? It's, you're saying it's remastered for the very second time. That's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Time. I mean, how incompetent can you be? Like the same guy who remastered this in 2019 is the same damn guy who remastered this very same album back in 2011. And no one thought to bring that up. That's pretty hard to believe. I mean, they approached Bernie to remaster 1999 in 2019. And Bernie never thought to say... I just did this, like, this very same album eight years ago. Did Bernie forget? <laughs> did Warner Brothers forget? That's very interesting if they did, because the 2011 remaster was released on Rhino Records, which is part of Warner Music. Hmm. It's the same damn company. Yeah. It's very odd. Seriously. Okay, very odd. What's Toe Jam got to say? So, well, my question is, is this... Because I have not heard the 2011 remaster. I, it was only released on vinyl, as far as I'm aware. Correct. I have that vinyl. One of the few vinyls Correct. I have is the 2011 remaster. Yeah. But I've yeah. never opened it, never played it. And I Ooh. want to know, is the remaster on this Super Deluxe the same remaster as the 2011 one? No. No. Well, I've got the 2011 <laughs> vinyl and I have heard it. And I've compared it to every other version of this album that I have, which is the original CD and the HD tracks from 2492 version from 2013 and this one that's just come out. And I would say that the most squashed, compressed version of the album is this remaster version. Correct. That is, str that is streaming on Tidal slash Spotify. But I can't... 2019. 2019, yes. Yeah. But I can't categorically say that it's not the same remaster. But what I would say is I'm 90... 8.5% sure that it's not the same remaster. Yeah. Is it okay. possible that it's the same remaster that's just been boosted? Possibly. Well, you know, that you know what's possible. most possible? I can't possible? say for sure. What would most... If they claimed that this... They used the same remaster that Bernie did in 2011, it's possible that it was just... When they took that remaster and they put it onto a CD, when they mastered it for CD, they screwed it basically. Hang on, did it get onto yeah. an, a CD on, in 2011? No. No. That's what I'm... Yeah, no, sorry. Was, I, th I thought yeah, that's what you said. Vinyl only. Yeah, because it was Dirty Mind Controversy in 1999. They remastered yes. those three albums and issued them. If, yep. if what Jam yep. is proposing that the 2011 remaster has just been, you know, give it a big volume boost and check it out now in 2019, then technically that sticker on the front saying remaster for the very first time would not be a lie. Because Well, yes. it's very misleading yes. either way. Yes. Misleading hype sticker. Okay. Second thing is the remaster itself. While it's nowhere near as brick walled as the Purple Rain Deluxe remaster disaster, I think it has been taken <laughs> Joshua Wilton too far. Remaster. Yeah. There is obvious clipping on several tracks. Some of it barely audible to my 40 plus year old ears, but it's definitely visible to my eyes when you look at the clipping of the raw files. The 2011 remaster is vastly superior in that aspect. There is no clipping whatsoever. It doesn't even touch. doesn't get anywhere near Ever. it. Ever. Not, not at all. <laughs> Throughout the entire album. So yeah. in that way, it's 
way better. I mean, this 2019 remaster is louder, as you'd expect, in 2019. But it was just taken a bit too far. It could have been pulled back just a bit more and avoided most of the clipping. And this could have rivaled the 2011 remaster. But for some mm. reason, they're still competing in the loudness wars, which I'm pretty sure ended years ago. But they're still going on with it just for fun. Uh, what else? The third thing. But it's no yeah, crystal ball. It's no crystal ball. Oh, that yeah, to me is the, yeah. the pinnacle of brick walled yeah. Prince albums. Yeah, it's nowhere near that. It's yeah. nowhere near that bad. It It's nowhere near that in some respects, but there are songs on crystal ball that are as pushed to their very limits as on this set. It's in the for red. For sure. In the red is, is the perfect terminology because they, they didn't do a great job with this remaster from that perspective, I have to admit. Having heard the HD tracks version from 2013. Can I ask a question? If Bernie did the 2011 one and the 2019 one, is his hearing going? Is he pushing the volume up? Because, like, if like what I'm saying is, is if he's remastering both, you'd expect the the, the result to be kind of the same, right? Mm. Well, this this, this is think. another question. I That's mean, Bernie question. Grundman is now 75. I mean, mm. no one's ears are great at 75, especially compared yeah. to when you were 65 or 55 or 45. So eight years earlier, whatever hearing loss he had over those eight years, that's definitely a factor. Yeah, but. But I don't think that's even, I don't think that's the main factor because it's not necessarily, remastering an album should not be mainly about whether, about hearing and what you can and can't hear, so to speak. I know that might sound weird, but let me explain. Um, just like Captain did when he assessed the waveforms, any mastering engineer or remastering engineer in this case would just look at the waveforms and they, in a split second, would know what they've done to the mm to the sound waves itself. So it's not just a question of hearing. There's a science and an art to it, but anyone worth their weight in salt would know what they're doing and they would know that they're clipping. Well, that's the clipping. The I mean, tracks. that's the interesting yeah. thing so, compared to the 2011 remaster, which is on vinyl, is that's mm. 2011 still in the middle of loudness wars. It's not like it didn't exist yeah. then. But this yeah. is nowhere. The 2011 is perfect. It's nowhere near it. It is, yeah. So why now he felt the need to smash this up as far as he did i don't know maybe that's what yeah. warner brothers said this is what we need it's got to be up here it's got to blast people on their crappy little earphones on their on their mobile phone that's how people I'm listen sure to it that's i'm sure it's there's some be. sort of standard i'm sure there's some sort of warner brothers standard nowadays where it's like this is what we want yeah, yeah. within this range yeah well it's even worse than that it's not just a warner brothers standard it's any remaining major commercial studio but it's more so the even radio uh, internet radio play spotify streaming services they've all got a certain equalizer and you can't master your record well can't have plenty of dynamic range and headroom to to hear the highs the highest highs and the highest lows because it's going to sound like shit when you press spotify or title or your preferred streaming service so everything has to be boosted to compete with everyone else which is basically the definition of the loudness wars so prince's catalog here is not it hasn't been singled out Virtually every remaster no, this of the is last, everything. yeah, oh, yeah. I, I want to say the last twenty years. I mean, there's some shitty te David Bowie remasters from the late '90s that are terrible. You can choose any major commercial artist, and they will have their work compressed when it came out. That's why the the best versions are generally the original ones. If you really want to be well, nitpicky. yeah. I mean, the fact that this yeah. album was so damn well recorded in the first place yeah that's right i mean you yeah. can just pull out your original cd or vinyl and it sounds 
It's bloody great. Good. Yeah. And all you have to do, all you have to do if you want to be hit with more slam or more bass within reason is just turn your freaking headphones or your speakers up. <laughs> That's all you actually have to do. You just have to turn it up. <laughs> turn it up, baby. Um, and if you want to get really tricky, yeah. you can use your EQ. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so um, My third yeah. thing. Okay. Third of three. Does it sound better? Honestly, not really much at all. Not to my ears. It's no, it obviously louder. much louder, louder. But again, comparing to the 2011 remaster, like I actually equalized the volume on both of them. So I could listen to both of them at the same volume. So that wasn't an issue. And it, mm. there's a, a tiny difference that I could hear. Now, I could be made to look like an idiot because someone's going to come out and go, oh, actually, they're exactly the same remaster. But there does seem to be a slight difference, maybe some improvement in some instruments being slightly more audible. But overall, you know, I couldn't pick the difference really if you if you played it back to back and gave me a blind test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes me suspect, it makes me suspect that this is actually the 2011 remaster that's just been boosted. Because I, I can't imagine, I can imagine if you're going to Bernie and saying, we need you to remaster this. And he says, I did this eight years ago. He's probably yeah. got it somewhere on file. And he's like, there you go. Just boosted it to the, you know, <laughs> the new levels we want. Done. And I'll still take the paycheck. Thank you very much. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to say something here about, I haven't compared it to the 2011 remaster, but I, I did do a similar thing to what Captain did, where I lined them up at the same volume, comparing the original CD release, which I think came out in like the 80s sometime. And I did notice some differences. I'm not saying it's necessarily better or worse, but I did notice that the speed of the this remaster compared to the 80s CD is the tiniest, tiniest bit faster. And I'm not sure which is correct. I'm not sure whether the 80s one is a bit slow or this one's a bit fast or somewhere in the middle. But you can notice that when you put the tracks underneath each other in, in an editing program, uh, you can see that by yeah. by the end of the song, there's like a very slight, like the beats are a bit um, ill-aligned. So there's this very, very, very slight speed difference, which is interesting. So you're comparing original CD to 2019 yep. CD. That's right. Yep. Mm, interesting. I did also notice, I couldn't tell that much difference in terms of what sounded better, but I did notice there were some panning differences in the track automatic, the hi-hat seemed ah. a, a bit, the panning was different. You could notice it in one that it was a bit more spread out, the panning, whereas in the other it was quite uh, a bit less spread out. And I, I don't know whether that's because when they've done this remaster, they've actually pulled the songs from the desk and they've actually repanned and re reverbed and all this kind of stuff. I tend to suspect not. But I did find that that was interesting that the width of the panning was different compared to the two. But I, I couldn't listen to one and say that one was definitively better or worse. But the it is stereo something nice. field. Well, here, yeah. <laughs> well, here's something for you, Toe Jim. If you're comparing the original 1982 CD to the 2019 CD, there's a website out there called DR Loudness War. If you Google that, you'll get the, the website that I'm referring to, I'm sure. And it's like a database of the dynamic range of different albums over the years. And they have a scoring system. If you compare the dynamic range ratings slash scores for the original release versus the 2019 version, you're better off not looking at it. <laughs> the original the original CD has a minimum dynamic range of 11. It's got an average dynamic range of 14 and the maximum dynamic range of 16. I said minimum dynamic range of 11, right? The 2019 remaster has a minimum that's right i said minimum dynamic range of seven an average dynamic range of eight 
and a maximum dynamic range on certain songs of 11. Mm. So it wow. is it is a humongous difference from the perspective of dynamic range. And all that means is that the waveforms have been squashed and the clipping phenomena that Captain talked about earlier. So for anyone that, that truly wants to listen to this record in its full dynamic, glory. uncompressed <laughs> glory, you want to put in this, the 1982 CD and it's going to sound really tinny and really quiet. So guess what? You know what you do? Turn it you up. Take your volume dial <laughs> Turn it up. and you freaking blast it. <laughs> or you put on your vinyl, your original or even the 2011 vinyl version, which technically has a bit of dynamic compression, but the bottom end, because of that, the bottom end feels a bit more powerful and warm. So yeah, this is clearly not the essential version as far as the original album from a sound quality perspective but those are just numbers so mm. you know if you I mean, if you like it yeah if you like it you like it yeah it's can be it's good yeah. it's compared to the latest kanye album if you like the latest kanye album and you like how that sounds how it's squashed if you and like the latest kanye album what are you even doing <laughs> <laughs> no but if like if you jam to i don't know my beautiful dark twisted fantasy that's got a shoddy dynamic range just like this does it's not particularly flash but a lot of people love that record and they think it sounds great so it will make 1999 sound louder and more thumping and more like like a club banger <laughs> in 2019 well as nick bowler says if it's good for your ears then everything else is bullshit well, <laughs> that's right <laughs> there you go that's and that's a fair point and so, we also I mean, got to remember that prince himself like when we interviewed um fluff. Fluff. fluff fluff when we interviewed fluff he said prince didn't care about what the numbers were saying he went by his ears mm. and, and even times fluff was like it's peaking and prince wouldn't care <laughs> yeah, so just yeah, just listen yeah. to it's little red that <laughs> it's all subjective yeah 100 percent. but the interesting thing when you compare the original either cd or vinyl from the 80s to the 2011 remaster, the volume is practically the same, which to me is amazing. And how Bernie avoided blasting that to compete in the loudness wars, somehow they let him not do that for that vinyl release, which amazes me. Oh, the vinyl release. Not the 2019. No, 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 2011, Hmm. which blows my mind. Like, I think it's slightly louder, but, you know, it's like, not even 5-10% louder. It's not like this yeah, one, which is in like it. insane. You're comparing the two vinyl releases only, though. The original to the 2011, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just sad that this release is, you know, this is the definitive release of this album. Toe Jam says it's, you know, it's the best thing ever, and in some ways it is. But the fact that, especially these tracks which have been remastered, the fact that they've been remastered for people to listen to on their shitty little earbuds... Why does everyone else have to suffer? They can just turn it up. Why do actual yes. people who appreciate the audio quality that is supposed to be on an album like this, why does everyone yeah. else have to listen to this garbage mix? Not that I'm saying it's a garbage mix, but it's for effect, you understand. Um, yes. But you know what I'm saying. That's the point. Like, why are they mixing for that stupid yeah. level? Demographic. It's just yeah. insane. And, yeah. and we're a podcast that, talking about Prince's you know, discography and legacy, but I guarantee you that... Podcasts dedicated to uh, David Bowie or Bruce Springsteen or MJ or whatever, they, they talk about the same sort of shit. Like, it's just a shit time for sound quality, well, basically. What I want to know yeah. as well is there's also the 24-bit version circulating, which I haven't got. So my comparison, and I'm assuming most of the other comparisons that you guys are doing, are from the CD version, which is a, which is a lower bit rate. So mm-hmm. I wonder if this clipping and all this kind of thing is... 
as apparent on the 24-bit release. It might even be more apparent because you you just get a more transparent insight into the actual mix itself. What's the title file like? What's the title file like? (laughs) So I'll I'll talk about remaster. Okay. With with that all said, I think it does sound pretty cool. But in in saying that, I didn't really have a problem with this album's sound quality anyway to begin with. There's a lot other Prince albums in the Prince catalog that is far worse. It's no sign of the times. So correct. (laughs) So, you know, I wasn't really expecting miracles anyway in the first place, but it is still good to hear. <laughs> there was a point where I did get a bit tricked, though, because I was listening to it and I'm thinking, holy crap, I'm hearing things in the mix that I've never heard before. And I'm hearing th- stuff in the left channel. Uh, I'm thinking, hold up. Here we go. We're getting to this. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, wow, they brought up something in the mix that I've never heard before. But in actuality, it's always there, but it was in the other side. And so because mm-hmm. I'm hearing it on the left side when it was originally in the right side, then it's like, ah, okay, it's not stuff that I'm hearing as a remaster. It's the channels are flipped. Anyone want to go down this road? I had the same experience and that was before I read anything online. I was just sitting at home on my bloody couch and I was going... What I was doing, I, huh? yeah, you got, you yeah, like, going, what hang on. Going on, what's this? Exactly, because what I did was I played the 82... Was it the 82 CD version? Yeah, I played the 82 CD version first, then I played the title stream. And I was going, yeah, what the hell? Well, at the end of 99, where he's just doing the rhythm guitar, I'm like, why mm. is that on the right side or on the left <laughs> side, but it was on the right side? Yeah. <laughs> what have they done? Which one's, which one's correct? So I had a very similar experience, but I don't know which one is correct because did you guys see that stuff floating around online that said that the CD version... We should explain to the listeners what, yep. what we're talking about. <laughs> yes. Yep. I, I don't even... I'm not, I don't know if I can explain it. Can anyone the, else the, take this off my hands? The simplest way I could or, explain it is yeah. you've got some... You know, you've got the track. You've got stereo. You've got left and right. Some songs Correct. you listen to, there's some funky little guitar, but it's only on the right-hand side. It's only in the right channel. And mm. apparently what happened is when the masters were originally pressed to CD, as somehow they flipped it, so every it. release well, that explains- since that original CD, like the original vinyl was correct. If anyone has that, hmm. that is correct. And that should match this new remaster. But all the CD versions and some other later vinyl versions, they got flipped and it never got corrected until now. And the official explanation is this has been corrected back to the way it was supposed to be. Does that make sense? Okay, it does make sense. So you're saying that the original... Uh, the original vinyl pressing was the original mix as far as what was supposed to be on the left and right yes. channels. But the original CD flipped that around. Yep. And now with this 2019 re-release, they've flipped it around Get again back. to match the original it is vinyl corrected release. corrected to how it was meant to well, be. Well, if, if what you just said is correct, then here's a doozy for you guys. I also have the 2011 vinyl. And unlike ToeJam, who's just keeping it on his shelf to wonder and amazement, I played it. And that vinyl version, I can confirm, is the same as the 82 CD version as far as the left and right channel music. Going back to your theory about first or second remaster, that probably puts more credence, which is kind of mind-blowing to even think about, that the 2019 remaster could be, could be the first, very first remaster because the 2011 vinyl version has the um, left and right channels incorrect but this one fixes it i mean another possibility Does that make sense? another possibility is that the 2011 remaster is not a remaster from the actual master tapes but 
basically just a boosting and a bit of a EQing to the. No, they CD. were given. I, I believe they confirmed. They were that from Bernie the master tapes. The master, okay. Yes, they uh, got the master tapes. Yeah, man. So maybe they did that but forgot to reverse the channels. Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe they'll. Yeah, who knows? That's that's interesting, eh? But that obviously oh, explains God. the panning issue I was talking about before. I thought it was the width, but obviously it's it's obviously <laughs> the easiest way that you can check this is just go to the start of free because you've got that yeah. marching which the goes marching. left and right yeah. on some versions that's mm. on most versions that we know those steps start on the right hand side but mm. on this new version and on the original vinyl and possibly some other mystery version those steps start on the left it's not just about the quality of the music and the sound and the <laughs> instruments and the voice which yeah. direction was exactly. the kick drum I mean in the end from? this makes zero difference everything is still there <laughs> It's just flipped. It makes no, no but difference. It, it, it throws it you for a loop because yeah. you get so used to hearing something a certain way that when it, it's even like that subtle difference and you might not even realize what's going on. And it's like, but you sense there's something not right. It's like wearing a shirt inside out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, thankfully, most of the 1999 album is electronic instruments and, or, or, you know, instruments that have a single sound coming from a single direction. The only thing it might affect is if you like if there's piano stuff where you kind of you, you would expect to hear the the lower notes in the left channel and the higher notes in the right channel. Well, I guess it depends on which way you're looking at the piano uh, as well. Yeah. Like if you're playing piano, it, yeah, it depends exactly. on which way the piano's yeah. position. What the heck? So I mean, Jesus. Yeah. So most instruments, I guess, on '99, like the synths and the drum machines and the um, obviously Prince's vocal, you know, they're, they're mono things that are being being inserted in different places on the panning width. Whereas if you had an instrument like a piano, which has a width to itself that could make it sound i don't want to say wrong wow, I but just, you know inside I, out <laughs> i just had a crazy thought if you want to avoid all this craziness just listen to the 1999 mono, promo mono, mono. Edit, you don't have to worry about it <laughs> listen to the new master then you avoid it altogether keep stepping keep stepping <laughs> oh gosh okay wow we're really going on a tangent tonight and what's I'm next re- uh, i'm really disappointed that none of that stuff ended up on disc two they should have put all the Dougie <laughs> stuff on there. Oh, God. Okay, let's move along. So we're not going to talk about disc two in detail here, but oh, there is the a frisbee. second... frisbee. <laughs> yeah, the frisbee disc. So there is a second part to this 1999 album, which is plenty of the songs that were... or well, the singles that were released back in 82 and even 83 had B-sides. So those B-sides are included on this second disc, and that's always going to get a thumbs up from me. I'm assuming yeah. you guys um, are quite happy with B-sides. Sure. Jump in if you're not. <laughs> But there's a whole lot of other nonsense on here. And it really, I think nonsense is the only apt definition or expression I can use here. Because Filler, filler, filler. <laughs> exactly. Filler. Exactly. I mean, there's just edit after edit after edit. And, um, you know, the B-sides, yeah, you get a thumbs up there. The, the dance edits and, and dance remixes, yeah, thumbs Ooh. up there as well. But that only makes up less than half of what's on this actual CD, and the rest of it are seven-inch edits, mono mixes. It's just unnecessary and a waste of at least half a disc. I've said this before, but you know that Prince song you love so much? Don't you want to hear half the length of that track? <laughs> Fade it out just when it goes to the good bit? Here you go. <laughs> exactly. You know that amazing guitar solo? You don't need to hear that anymore. <laughs> for, for, those that, for those that don't have six minutes to listen to, yep. a, to a track, but you have only got four minutes and 50 seconds. Yeah, exactly. It is very odd. I have heard people say, oh, it's for the completists, but I don't get that point at all because... That would only apply if this it. was actually complete. Released. 
(laughs) Yeah. I've got something to say about this as well. I think it's cool if they actually released or reissued the actual vinyl singles. And that would make sense. For example, uh, that would last be cool. month, that would last be cool. month, there's this record company. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Warner Brothers. They oh. actually released an artist called Van Halen. They did a Japanese box set of singles, 13 singles between 1978 and 1984. And they did a black release vinyl and a colored vinyl version. Ooh. That's never heard of. They did a red vinyl version. And it's it's replicas of the singles thirteen, and it's in a box, oh, and it awesome. has a, has a flip top lid like a cigarette packet almost. Now that makes sense because cool. when you've got promo edits or, or single edits, the reason they did that is because of what the medium is. You can only fit so much into that space, so th- they have to cut mm. it down. So that was the reason for it. Now, if there's fans out there that really want this, then sure, put it on single seven inch things and issue it like that like the way they've done with van halen and let those people buy it but when you put it on a cd and padding it out and you say oh look at all this material and you when you really get into the nuts and bolts of it it's it is really filler you know that's where i have issue Mm. with it but if there is a market for it for those completists then replicate like reproduce it the way it was issued and let them people let those people buy it if they want really completest kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. That'd be fantastic. And the other thing is for people that are into their vinyl, vinyl snobs and audiophiles will know that seven inches actually are better. So (laughs) seven inch... (laughs) Okay, get a hold of yourselves. But the seven inch versions are actually played at a different speed. Well, they're cut and played at a different speed, 45 RPM rather than 33, which in theory does sound better. The fidelity is stronger. So... That's even a double whammy. Not only would it be a cool collector's piece, but they, they sound better. But the reality is, why would you put it on a CD? Like, And, what, and don't forget, thinking. you know, this is Warner Brothers. This is the estate. This is the business. This is the business, as Billy Sparks loved to say. And, you <laughs> Motherfucker. Know, how, you know, why not put out a, a special super, super deluxe only vinyl seven inch edition? It, that's even more money mm. then that you're going to get. Yeah. From those people who just yeah, so. have to have those things. But we don't have to have those things. Yeah. You know, I would actually be happier if Disc 2 only had the B-sides and yeah. the the uh, special dance remix of Little Red Corvette, that sort of stuff. You know, 8, 9, 10 tracks. That'd be perfect. A shorter disc with stuff that actually makes sense would be better. I don't want to flip through the <laughs> 7-inch mono version of 1999 <laughs> to get through the good stuff. That's ridiculous. <laughs> But um, what, what do you guys think? Oh, Any more geez. to add on this disc Where two? do you even start? What an amazing disc this is. Come on. <laughs> like, I mean, you can argue the fact that we already have like Horny Toad and How Come You Don't Call Me, Little Red Corvette Dance Mix, Irresistible, which we have those on CD already. But these have but been... Do you have them remastered? Exactly. That's the difference. <laughs> yeah. That were on the hits B-sides. So that's good. That were on Ultimate. The only real difference is that they're remastered on this release. And so are the promo versions and edits. Wow, let's get into that. I'm sure we all understand why they're here. They say for the sake of completion, blah, blah, blah. But I doubt anyone would be crying if some mono edit of something wasn't included in this box set. But then... There's a riot in the streets. But then, just after I thought that, guess what? I found someone online who was complaining that they hadn't included the delirious mono edit 7-inch single. (laughs) So there you go. There's one that's not included on this release. I can solve that problem. (laughs) 
get I mean, one click of, of a button. Just, <laughs> exactly. I mean, if you want to make a mono edit, it's very easy to do on Audacity. Yeah. A free oh, but audio it's not authentic. Program. It's not authentic. It's, it's not the same. Yeah. I mean, but people argue it's that it's not complete. You know, it's incomplete. Exactly. <laughs> incomplete said, give me a refund. Even though I haven't bought it, give me a refund right now. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the only, I the only argument hilarious. is because they're monos, maybe they're mixed slightly differently. But I don't know. Are oh, they? But really? unlikely. You're splitting hairs, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I, I just want to say, like, the little red Corvette special dance remix, it doesn't top the original, but it is really cool. It's got such a cool outro where it goes to the relative minor. And it gets funky. I've got something to say about that. Yeah. You said well, you had a, something to say about Little Red Corvette. Well, before we get to that. Bombshells. Before we get to that. Bombshells. I'm, I'm going in order of the tracks. I've got track three, which is okay. the free okay. promo only edit. I actually do like this since it cuts off that whole marching intro. With those sound effects, which I never particularly liked. So that adds nothing to there the song go, for can... me. So that is one positive on this disc is I've just got the song free without... The sound effects. So that's a that's a, that's a good. That's you can a do good a re-edit. Thing. Can I just stop you there? Mm. I don't like that marching either, but I think it provides a break from that relentless dance music all the way through the album. Ah, yeah. To into like a ballad. Need someone to break it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's necessary, but I don't like that marching either. But I realize why it's there. Okay, so then we got track five, which is Little Red Corvette's seven-inch edit. Now, Here we go. I'm not sure if this is on every version. It possibly is. But there's a pretty obvious glitch at pretty much 60 seconds where Prince sings Gunner. It's amazing that this got past quality control. Who remembers the Erotic City intro on some other release and uh, it had yes. a big glitch right yeah, in the middle of it? This the is the same ring. thing. I wonder if they're going to replace everyone's you know, box sets because of this i doubt it no one's going to be listening to it to even work out what you just found probably imagine paying over a hundred bucks on this box set and then having a glitch like that i would lose it so it's so sad except that you never pull this disc out but yes i, I get but your point that's you know that's unacceptable really that's because you can guarantee the original vinyl seven inch didn't have that glitch i'd be really surprised if it did we probably would have heard about it by now but there's that that's all i've got to say about that it's just not good Okay, so that, okay, so then we go to track eight, which, uh, let's look at the name of this track. Little Red Corvette, yep. Dance Remix Promo Only Edit. Okay, <laughs> I'll just be the first one to say, this is not an edit of the special dance mix, due to the simple fact that the dance mix doesn't have the distortion that's on the single and the album version, but this supposed edit of the dance mix suffers from distortion, which is on the album version. So this is not what it claims to be. I mean, all this track is, is the album version with a later fade in and an earlier fade out. Now, Mm. it's most likely they simply found the original 7-inch promo and converted it to digital, didn't even bother to check that all the information was correct. That doesn't look good on anyone involved, really. But, I mean, if they're going around bothering to correct something like the incorrect channels swapped on the version from 35 years ago on the remaster, but not even bothered to check the tracks are even correctly named... That's that's a bit strange to me. Just because it was incorrectly named way back when, that means it's still incorrect. If it was wrong then, it's still wrong. And if you're going through all this material, trying to fully represent everything correctly and make it the best thing, you know, this wasn't a hard thing to fix. Well, that's, so um, what you're saying is this should really just be called Little Red Corvette Edit, Promo Edit. Is that what you're saying? Yes, it's nothing to do with the dance mix at all. Mm. Because the distortion, which is so obviously on the album version and the single, but is not on the actual dance mix, this has the distortion, which means it's not from the dance mix. It's as simple as that. The end. 
I've got something to okay. say, and it's neither of those points, but similar related. So the dance mix, when it came out, and I think this touches on Togem's point about it being faster. The original dance mix was 8 minutes 22. On Ultimate, it was 8 minutes 27. And on this edition, it's 8 minutes 30. So there is a speed difference in it. Ah. But in the original version and the version on Ultimate, it's always been titled as Dance Mix. On this release, it's been labeled as Special Dance Mix. Now, to my knowledge, the only thing that's been labeled as Special Dance Mix is Let's Go Crazy. Yes. Pop Life was Fresh Dance Mix. Yes. Let's Go Crazy with Special Dance Mix. Now, all of a sudden, this has been called Special Dance Mix. And to my knowledge, anything previous to this 2019 version has only been called Dance Mix. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've never seen it being called Special Dance Mix. Only Let's Go Crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm picky. I'm getting picky, but I've. it just seems like a word they've sort of inserted in there for no reason. And if they're wanting to be completers for completers' sake, I'm, I'm just struggling to figure out who made the call and called it something that it never was. Mm. And the other thing is, what is on the actual tapes? Because there's also a chance that they're just going with whatever's... What if they found it and on the tape itself, it says Little Red Corvette Special Dance Mix, but then on the 2006 Ultimate release, it just said Little Red Corvette Dance Mix. Maybe someone stuffed up back in 2006. (laughs) Like, this sort of stuff is really difficult to try and pinpoint. Well, according to Prince Vault, it's Little Red Corvette Dance Remix. So is, there's another there's, there's no another thing special. there. Is it mix or is it remix? Again, nitpicky thing, but you know, get it right. So the only thing that I've ever seen is is let's go crazy being called that special and dance. Here mix. it's a just special dance mix, and I'm just like, okay, why? Where does that come from? Why? I mean, we're just nitpicking over one word, but well, it is special. But get it right. <laughs> there's Again, no doubt. Just get it right. Special. But yeah. it's the same. It is the same song. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's right. It's as the far same as we song. know. Dance mix, special dance mix, yeah. But again, it's this—it's just attention to detail. It's like little glitches on songs, incorrectly named tracks. Come on, it's not that hard to get things right. Hmm. Well, considering that they've spent a long time working on this. Yes. Yeah. But the issue is this might be the correctly named track, right? Or not, with, with Little Red Corvette. And like I said before, it's just this attention to detail. Whether it's dance mix or it's dance remix or it's special dance mix, which is Let's Go Crazy. We all know. But yeah, it's yeah, just right. these little things. It's just little nitpicky things, which, again, if I'm going to spend, especially if you buy the vinyl, you're paying what, 400 something dollars. At least have the, mm. you know, the titles correct. Come on. But anyway, let's okay. finish up this too. So, I just want to say, I'll always want the full longest version of any track. No edits, no fades, except for the start of free. You can take that. But apart from the few B-sides, which are now remastered, I don't think I'll be listening to any of this disc again. The end. Okay. So with that said, what about the previously unreleased stuff? I mean, again, <gasps> let's not talk about specific songs and what you guys think about them, but there's two CDs worth of unreleased music. We're going to discuss them in detail in our multi-part review. But just generally speaking, I mean, this has been the biggest, one of the biggest, or if not the biggest things that fans have been looking forward to, right? Aside from the live material. So well, I th- thoughts? <laughs> I really like the way it's done in that they've, Put them out in the order in which they were recorded. Um, you know, starting from late '81 down to early '83. I think they could have tried to be too creative and fuzzy, and oh, let's make some our own little albums of these songs. No, no, just put them in the chronological order. I think that's a really good idea, and they're pretty varied anyway. So it's not like you get a an odd jumping around. It's just it feels kind of smooth anyway. 
So that worked. I'm really happy with that. And the one thing I want to say about these two discs, without talking about the song specifically, is the sound quality is really, really good from almost all of them. And um, I think there's only one or two that are actually cassette source, but those... Uh, it's not any fault on the estate's parts. It's just that Prince actually re-recorded over those original masters. So the only thing that's left is the cassette. So, I mean, I have no issue with that, um, putting that stuff out. So I'm really, really happy with these two discs. We're going to talk about the song specifically later, but I think this is the absolute meat of this release. This is so great. The fact that we're getting so many unreleased songs from that era in such good quality Many of them we had heard in the bootleg circles, but many of them we had not. And so this is really special because not only are you able to compare them to the bootlegs and say, wow, well, this was done, you know, this is better, this is worse. That's really cool. We'll get to that in our review. But we're also able to hear songs we've never heard before as well, which is the most surprising thing. So this, I think, is the the absolute highlight of this um, set of these two discs. All right, all right. Captain Player, before we go into other stuff. Well, I, I have to agree with Toejam. You can't complain about this sort of stuff. I mean, this is the stuff we've been asking for and we're getting it. So in saying that, I think there are, you know, I'm splitting hairs here, but I mean, there is things that were destined for the 1999 project and there's other things that he just recorded and they've just sort of bundled all on here. That's fine. Like I said, I'm splitting hairs, but in general, it is fantastic that they've included everything, the quality of it, the amount of vault material, it's yeah it's fantastic yeah again i have to agree with what you said as well i think you cannot go wrong two cities worth of unreleased takes in many instances songs that have never been heard before which is crazy because you know the bootlegging aspect of prince's career is almost as big as any other and some of these songs you look at the titles as we as the four of us were when this track list first came out and we're like what the heck i haven't even heard of that song and then listening to some of this stuff it just gives you an incredible insight into what he was working on at the time and how varied the material was not just musically but thematically yeah it's just remarkable it's crazy to hear and they've done an excellent job with the sound quality again nitpicking notwithstanding which we may get to and we discuss the songs song by song but overall it sounds really good it does sound really crystal clear pristine and especially the studio takes it's just i don't know it's just really uh heartwarming to hear those ones because you feel like you're in the studio session i remember when we did the purple rain um, deluxe review and I remember specifically talking about my concern about the state of the vault because the quality on that disc um, of unreleased material was better than most of the bootlegs that were circulating but it wasn't striking and I, and I remember do I did say something like I was concerned about the state of the actual tapes having heard these two discs that that fear has completely gone because obviously these are in pristine condition by the sound of most of this stuff which is i'm very happy about Mm. yeah i mean you mentioned purple rain deluxe i'll say that this is on par with purple for me just personally speaking although this has twice the amount of content which is always preferable the actual songs themselves and the sound quality are pretty much equal i think some of the studio takes sound better because there's there are no studio takes on the Purple Rain Deluxe edition, but you, I think they're pretty mean? close. They're, they're all studio tracks. Yeah, what are you talking about? I think he's referring to the ones that ended up on the album, like um, International Lover. Like How come you alternate takes of tracks. Yeah. Sorry, alternate alternate studio. Yeah, yeah alternate yeah. studio yeah. takes. That's yeah. that's what you meant, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the. I, I, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> no, no, no. You go, no play. I got it because that's what I, I'm talking about. Like. There's nothing on Purple Rain Super Deluxe version that 
is similar to those takes that we get on this album. Like International Lover, for example. There's nothing like that yeah. on the Purple Rain Super mm. Deluxe Edition. So mm. it's hard to compare that level of quality because they're just mic'd. They're obviously mm. mic'd really well on International Lover. And it sounds like you're literally sitting in front of it. Just wait a, a couple of years and we're going to get the uh, Uber Super Super Deluxe of Purple Rain, <laughs> which will have <laughs> alternate so. versions of those tracks. Yeah. Probably the closest was that Computer Blue, that 15 um, Oh, the hallway speech, yeah. The whole speech, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. I, for one, like, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, this is incredible, two CDs on this on this um, 99 set. But for me, that second disc on, or third disc or whatever it was. Second. No, second disc. The second disc on the Purple Rain Super Deluxe version is on par with this as far as, like I yeah, said, quality I'd, of music I'd, and quality of material. I'd say the second disc on that Purple Rain, like quality, not sound quality, but like song quality is possibly better than this. Even though there's some discs yeah. that I absolutely love over this disc three and four here, I think the overall quality of the tracks themselves, like I think the Purple Rain second disc is slightly better. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a huge that was a huge release. I think I kind of feel like it hasn't really gotten its due for whatever reason. Well, we talked about this like, before. It came out when it came out. Thing. It was I think for a lot of people it was just still too time. early, and we could as great as having that those vault tracks were. We couldn't fully appreciate them at the time. I think after we get over 99, I'm going to go back to that disc again and blow my head off. <laughs> <laughs> that's, actually, that's actually a really good idea, Captain, to, to listen to CD 3 and 4 from this 99 Super Deluxe yeah. and then right after you finish that, pop in CD 2 of Purple Rain, of Purple Deluxe, Rain yeah. Super Deluxe and just, and just compare that. Like the evolution, that'd be awesome. Well, I think the songs on that Purple Rain disc, they're a lot more fully formed. And the ones here, are, some of them seem pretty bare bones and not fully finished. So I think that's part of it. Yeah. So I'm just going to add that we're going to go so deep into these tracks. Like when we do our track by track review, which will be coming in the future. So not really comments on the songs themselves. but And from what Tojam said before, deep, 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 deep undercover. Deep. So like deep, Eddie Murphy says. <laughs> There's one track we'll go especially deep on, but that's a joke for another time. There's only one track that was sourced from a cassette four? tape. Oh, I can't remember the number. From what I understand, I think Michael House said in some interview, there was only one track which was actually sourced from a cassette tape, as opposed to disc two of Purple Rain, where it seemed like a lot of them were. But yeah, yeah, that's amazing. that way the yeah. quality, the sound quality of this is great. Like so many of these tracks just sound amazing. And yes, of course, we want some tracks that were obviously not included, and we'll talk about that, but I totally understand why they're not on this release. Including them here would have been problematic, and on the other hand, editing them for release would also have been problematic for some people. Ooh. So What are you talking about? Why don't, we, why, don't we, subject? why don't we touch on that? Yeah, why don't we touch on that now? So, because yeah, we, I, I see what, why what Exclusion was the about? best way forward, but let's talk about those two tracks, which obviously... Oh, well, maybe not obviously for everyone. One of them is called Lust You Always. Another one is called Extra Lovable, which you might have heard in, geez, when? 2012 or something? Hidden Run Phase 2. Oh, yeah, it's on that album. There you go. So, yeah, those two tracks. There's certain lyrics on those tracks which could be an issue for some people. But uh, I think the majority of fans, given the option of not getting these tracks at all, would have taken a slight edit on one line of a lyric to get these tracks in perfect quality. Ooh, this is <laughs> now we're getting into controversy. Not really. Yeah. Not really. That's pretty much the, the question... consensus. Is 
most people would have from wow. from the org. We're from running Twitter. a survey, and it's a question. Oh it's yeah, a question, and I've got the initial results, and I know exactly where it's headed. So, wow, cheers. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't well, don't tell us. I'll tell you my preference. My preference is for these two songs to have been included on this set, and. Yay. Unedited. Unedited. Yep. The full song. Oh, yeah, of course. Unedited. That's, that's everyone's anyone, preference. Anyone who is as hardcore fans as the four of us has these songs already. We know what the lyrics are. They are they are not as much as we might cringe when we hear them. I'm sure we're all aware that this was the kind of thing that Prince would occasionally say. And whether you like it or you hate it or you're indifferent about it. It's a, it's a fact of Prince's history. Yep. And if this set is supposed to be representative of Prince's history, comprehensive, complete, then there's really no justification to say that these songs shouldn't be on here. Now, obviously, the concern that the estate have decided is they don't want them on here because of those lyric references, which I can understand. I can understand that it might cause controversy to you know, if they're releasing, if they're sending this set out to news agencies, to press things, and the people who have very little, the, the big you know, very little understanding of the big picture of Prince's history, hear those lyrics, and suddenly it becomes a big, you know, shit media storm about Prince was singing yeah. about rape and all this kind of stuff, and which it definitely um, would in 2019. You just know probably, that would have happened, probably. But it's a shame because, yep. like I said, all the hardcores know these songs. We know Prince's history. We would like to hear this in its in its in the sound quality that the other songs that have been released yeah. have been released. So it is a kind of shame. I mean, I kind of said this to you guys. This would never happen, but it would be kind of nice if <laughs> someone in the estate just maybe accidentally leaked those songs out the back know, door to the yeah. fans. It's like we know you guys know this stuff. You know that we know that we've mastered this stuff. There's no doubt that they haven't. Mm. You know, little birdie. There you go. <laughs> There's no way that'll ever happen. <laughs> And that way, you know, no one could ever trace it back to the powers that be. Mm. Um, okay, so if they're going to release them, I, I would probably accept the fact if they did just do a little fade on those particular lyrics. Just drop that vocal for literally two seconds, and that's yep. it. That's all you had to do. Yeah. But if you do that, then the argument becomes you are messing with Prince's history. Yep. You are, you know, you yeah. are becoming the one saying what uh, should and shouldn't be. This is unacceptable yeah. and I'll, not acceptable. I'll, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'll get to that. Yeah. So. I'd, yeah, this it is. is such a this is such a massive yeah. <laughs> conversation starter, isn't it? Yeah. I just want to add one more thing to what Toe Jam said is apart from knowing Prince's history and all of that, we know his sense of humor, humor which is bizarre at times to say the least, and we also know the context in this track. I mean, you can just look at the lyrics to this track and go, "Oh my god, I'm so offended. That's awful." But if you actually mm. understand the song and what it's about, it's actually not that bad at all. Mm. So there's there's so many layers to it. It's just crazy. I think it really depends on your point of view, though. And the the thing that is, I mean, this conversation could go for an hour. The four of us could probably talk about it for an hour. But the one thing I think is worthwhile adding, at least from my vantage point, is that when Prince re-released this song in a very different capacity and in a very different musical version, he took that line yep. out. Now that's true. That it's not in there. So to release the full version unedited. I think would be very problematic. <laughs> and it's more an unfortunate 
sign of the times, I think, pardon the pun, than anything else. It's just these days you cannot mess with that. And I think the very real risk, whether this is the reason why they did it or not, I think the reality is if they would have put it out with that line in there, it could have messed with his name and his legacy and future releases. That's That's, that's the big thing. For me, that's the bigger issue. It's like you don't want, you know, them to release, I don't know, Around the World in the Day next year, deluxe version, and it have... 50% 50% less sales because general... Because he got cancelled. You know, That's what it is. Correct. Prince would have been you know, cancelled. And general... Yeah, general Joe Which Blow from joke. the public said, oh, I used to be a Prince Until fan. Until I heard that extra heard lovable that, song. That song. And now, no, I, don't, I, I won't stand for him. And so it's just... You can't win these days. Everyone's so bloody sensitive no, over everything. I, I totally get that the estate so, are in a... They're, so in a lose, like, they're in a lose-lose situation mm. here. They don't put it out. Fans like us are going to say, you should put it out. You know, and in the grand scheme of things, we probably matter less, <laughs> unfortunately. Okay, well, here's a spanner in the works for you. Let's say the original 1999 album had this track on it, and you get to 2019, they're remastering it. Does somebody take the creative liberty and go, well, this particular song is quite controversial. We're going to just take this off. Now, what kind no, of response would that? Well, exactly. I mean, there, See, this is the, all these dilemmas. Like, we're only talking yeah. about Extra Lovable here, but Lust You Always... Yeah, like it's literally only because it has the word rape in the lyrics. But on the 1999 album, I find other, not lyrics particularly, but suggestive things almost as offensive as some people would hear the word rape. But all that got to stay mm. intact. So it's a, yeah, it's a, like, it's uh, a very interesting, you know, the context of it all is yeah. very strange. But I think that that upholds his legacy by not tampering with 1999. Don't you guys all think that it would have been criminal to touch oh, yeah. any aspect of yeah. it? Yeah, you can't. Like that, yeah, you, you can't, can't do it. It's almost like if they're going to do a special edition of Love Sexy and they go, well, we're going to change the front cover. <laughs> yeah. We're going to just put a totally yeah. different front cover because, yeah. you know, of some sort of, you know, sensitivity sort of version to, to, to nudity or because whatever. Because reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, he's not even nude, so... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but that's an example. No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> another another example is let's let's say some archaeological team went into some the catacombs of some <laughs> Italian museum and found an original Da Vinci Mona Lisa, and it was it was a really explicit painting of Mona Lisa. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say <laughs> like two two or three people. A team of two or three people come across this and they go, well, do we show this to the public? I think we you better know, paint a, decision a, a T-shirt on her, actually. <laughs> well, well, this is the thing. Yeah. They're, they're making the decision. In a historical context, do we t- show the public this is what Da Vinci actually did? Or do we take the liberty and just say, well, it exists, but we're not going to show anybody? I mean, that's, that's, mm. that's another. It's a similar sort of thing. You know, and it's a big dilemma. It is a dilemma. It is a dilemma. <laughs> but my thing is, is the official word is they're trying to not take as many creative liberties, but in every other aspect, to songs, to mixes, to reverb, they are taking liberties. <laughs> I mean, I mean, reverb aside, but you know, there are things that I mean, we've spoken about this and we've touched on it on originals actually, but there are things that you know they've taken liberties on certain songs and. You know, they say they're not taking creative liberties on one hand and, and other aspects they do. So, I mean, where do they draw the line? Mm. I mean, this is really a t- very touchy subject that has no right or wrong answer. 
and like MC says, it'll go on forever. And you know, there's nothing really that you can do. The thing is, is if they change their mind down the road and put this out, I mean, where's it going to fit? I mean, it was no. This, this will never this be project, released. Really, I can't see this yeah. being released in in any of our lifetimes. It's just not going to happen. Highly That's why unlikely. I'm kind of thinking. Damn you! I plan on living forever. <laughs> you know, like I said, I, we know that they have it. And they know that we want it, but they're not going to put it out. And we know why. Yep. And they know that's we know all, why. You know, and then we know, you know that, that, know that I know. That. <laughs> we know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let's move on to the actual release of this. Now, it came out via many different outlets around the world, including Australia. We has only have 20 yet? million people. <laughs> I'm has it to see it. I still haven't seen <laughs> it in a store true. yet. I didn't know it was that released yet. I, I will make this point up front and then I'll let the cat amongst the pigeons maybe but this set has almost always since the release aside from an initial glitch has almost throughout the entire last few weeks been available from the print store anyone around the world could have ordered it Um, so the stock exists you can buy it from the source from the prince estate themselves but you know the issue with that any day of the week the issue with them sending anything outside of the states is the postage is horrendous and you shipping, actually have yeah, to pay customs and tax when it gets into yes. your country. Yeah, yeah. That's the biggest mm. problem with that. And also to previous releases like originals from the official print store, the people have been waiting months and some people haven't seen some stock. There's been mm. a lot of delays. So that's put people off going there to buy this release because of their past experiences. Yeah. It's no different point, yeah. to the, the classic crystal ball fiasco people put pre-orders in months ahead and then okay it's released here's the date orders started going out and you could go and buy it in the shop in the stores you could go and buy it and then people were still waiting Mm. months for their pre-orders to turn up when you could just walk into a shop and buy it that's ridiculous and this is the 1999 super deluxe fiasco because a lot of pre-orders still haven't arrived player still hasn't got his copy He, he ordered it online it's weeks after Still hasn't got it. I've been waiting almost 11 years <laughs> and I still haven't got my Lotus Flower shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping Michael that when Howe, they open one of those boxes, they see it. If you just find in a random box a Lotus Flower t-shirt, please end this running joke <laughs> once and for all. <laughs> but don't tamper with it. I want it oh, in its nah, original L, the L, the L actually condition. looks like uh, something, so they might just chop that L off there. <laughs> Oh, reverse it. Yeah. <laughs> so look, without spending all day on this, there have been some issues with stock availability of stock for the super. De- let's be super. Um, yes. Clear here for the super deluxe edition, not for the normal. The one disc the, and the two remaster. Disc in a lot of places, you yeah. can walk into a store and buy it. You can get those. But the actual yeah. box set of the ten LP and the five and five CD and DVD, very hard to get in some places worldwide worldwide yeah like we when it first started mm, happening here we thought oh, it's only in australia of course it happens to us you know the largest music retailer in this country had it on their website and before the actual A release before, date they, removed they just it. removed the whole thing from the website like it never existed and people had pre-orders people still have pre-orders for the box set but jb hi-fi is their name have said we're not stocking this And slowly they're starting to, you know, people are cancelling their pre-orders and going elsewhere, which is just insane. And there's another record store in Sydney called Red Eye Records. There was somebody on Twitter that said they did a pre-order there and they called them up and said, we're refunding you your money. We're not can't can't supply the stock either so So, geez i'm lucky (laughs) no you are lucky i can only assume this is down to warner brothers like warner music australia 
not sending out stock, which is very strange. You know, you don't want to sell it. Okay, fine, don't sell it. I just don't understand mm. that. What yeah. a great promotion tool. We've got this great new release, but you yeah. can't buy it anywhere. Good job. When I went to pick mine up at uh, Rocking Horse Records in Brisbane, I'll give them a give them a plug. Oh yeah. I when I, when the guy went out the back to grab it, I was looking to see if there how many other copies they had, and I could only see the one, and that's the one he grabbed for me. So. I wonder if so I'm like the only person in Brisbane with like a physical copy. You probably are. <laughs> you know what exasperates it is there's a internet site called Super Deluxe Edition that reviews not only prints but other artists that do Super Deluxe Editions. Uh, shout out to them. They did an unboxing video and at the end of it, of the unboxing, he mentioned that Warners were all out of stock. And he mentioned that basically if you don't grab a copy, it's, it's going to very fast go out of print. And I think a lot of people... When you hear stuff like that, you, you're going to get in a panic where, well, you can't find it in stores and, you know, you're trying to find it and order it and you just want to get a copy just to make sure that you don't miss out. So it is a bit of a dilemma, you know, if, if I'd like to know how many editions were made. Is this a limited thing? Mm. It's, it's yeah, very Amazon, the different, the different Amazon iterations, oh, they do yeah. have, allegedly they have stock, but it depends on whether or not it's being shipped directly from Amazon or whether it's being shipped from third party reseller. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's all a little bit, all I'll say is good luck <laughs> to everyone who's looking for a copy. I hope you get one. Players is allegedly on the way. Jam has been super lucky to get one. Yeah, it just depends. It's almost like a luck of the draw, which is a bit unfortunate when you're trying to get... You're a hardcore Prince fan and you can't get it. It's the frustrating. The fact that See, there is no local stock in this entire country just blows my mind. Mm. Like, it's it's yeah. unavailable. It's only available imported from another country. That is just insane to me. I don't yeah, understand that at all. Yeah. On a brand new release, it's not like it's a... Oh, God. It comes down to the fact that physical releases are dying. Um, True. And the biggest physical retailer here, JB Hi-Fi, potentially, you know, we don't know how much longer they're going to stock CDs at all. Yeah. I notice, you know, the few times when I go down to JB's now, you know, they've still got the same copies of Chaos and Disorder and Emancipation and Rave that, you know, released six, seven, eight months ago. They're still sitting there. No one is picking these things up. So I, I can imagine a reluctance, a, 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 you know, if they can see in the near future, hey, we're not going to worry about CDs, physical CDs anymore. The, there's, there starts to become a reluctance of are we going to bother ordering this massive cd box set when we don't even know if it's going to sell emancipation hasn't sold mm. but see where that argument falls down is okay i don't expect them to get 10 copies of the the vinyl 10 lp box set and it's going to sit on the shelf forever but they could at least fill the pre-orders they didn't even do mm. that they just wiped it out of existence yeah. i mean mm. yeah i agree with you captain the pre-orders yeah how is it how is that any different to getting any other CD in stock. You've got an order for it, put an order in and get yeah. it and do it. That's it. How hard is that to do? It's very strange. That's what a pre-order is. The person is saying, I will buy yes, this. You've already got Please my money. send it to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think... With Amazon, they don't charge you. Yeah, they don't charge you for the pre-order. JB did. The other thing with Emancipation and Chaos and all those ones is a lot of Prince fans have them before, so they might not mm. necessarily buy them. Yeah. There's a reason but they're the still sitting is, there. Is, <laughs> but 99% of the JB staff don't know that. Yeah, but then there's also the thing where, where fans in Australia, okay, they can't get it here, so they look overseas. So Warners, JB, all that, they don't have that data because fans are getting it themselves through the internet from overseas so when they look at it they go well there's no market here in australia no one's buying this mm. well the fact is they do want it but they can't get it so they're looking elsewhere yeah we only sold four copies in australia one to this guy in brisbane 
<laughs> so it's that's crazy. I think you know they don't have that data where people potentially are they get in a panic they they want it and you, uh, yeah. quite quickly yeah. and then the doing crazy, any means possible to get it. The craziest thing for me is that you can go online right now and buy this set. You can go down right now and buy it from the horse's mouth, from the Prince Estate, from the official Prince store, the number one source for all your Prince needs. You can do it. You just don't know when you're going to get it, and you don't know how much you're going to pay if you're outside of the US. Now I know. Well, just say it costs. America just say it costs sixty a, yeah. US dollars. Whatever. I don't know what it costs. Mm. Just say it costs sixty US dollars. So it's seventy. It's seventy dollars. Yeah. I mean, you could pay that price plus you know fifty percent more because you're going to get. Yeah. You've got to pay the shipping. Yeah. And then if you're going to get the customs tax on arrival, you've got to pay that as well. It's oh, it's just crazy. Plus yeah, and if version. you add a purple yeah. trench coat to the order, forget <laughs> it. <laughs> well, the thing... So you got you guys know I um I never used to be this way, but a number of years ago, I got really into vinyl. Oh, what? And I felt like I, I, mi- <laughs> I missed out, right? And so I've been going through, not so much recently, but a couple of years ago, I was really getting into it. And... You know, got a turntable and started playing records, blah, blah, blah. And when they first announced that they were going to release the Super Deluxe on vinyl, I got really excited and I thought, oh, I better start saving my pennies. This is going to be a great collector's item. And do you know the one factor, and it wasn't even financial or shipping or stock, the one factor that stopped me from ordering that vinyl? Well, mainly it was because it was sickly expensive. But let's put that to one side. If, I'll take a guess. If it was, I'll take a guess. And yes. it'd probably be the cost of shipping due to the weight no, of the thing no, would be insane. No, no, no. So all of that, yeah, that's what I mean by cost. Like the cost of the item, the cost of shipping, that was the biggest thing. I was like, oh shit, I can't, I just can't do this. I'm not going to spend so much money. Am I crazy? But putting that aside, imagine we're all billionaires, we can afford anything. The reason why I had no interest in, in buying that 10 LP set was because it had 10 LPs. <laughs> if it would have had, no, no, but wait, wait for it. Here's the kicker. If it would have had eight LPs, in other words, no frisbees, uh, no frisbee discs, yeah, yeah. no no sides of vinyl wasted on songs and content that I would have never ever have played in my life. I would have bought yeah. it. So for me, the thing that really bothered me about that was I'm not gonna spend so much money, time, and effort on something, and then I'm gonna have two records sitting on my shelf that I'll never even play. Like. I'd have to be crazy to do that. And I was like, nah, just out of pure um, spite principle. <laughs> I'm not spite and principle. I'm not even going to entertain the idea because they're not giving me what I want. I don't want the Frisbee discs. Can I, can I it, interject here? Yeah, but just quickly before you do, th- those yep. vinyls technically would probably make better Frisbees than the CDs, right? Because the, the quality of the material. <laughs> possibly, <right>? possibly. Yeah. <laughs> that could actually go. That could actually fly. The vinyl is definitely more aerodynamic by far. Aerodynamic, <laughs> yes. If you look up this website, it's Sorry. got it's got an aerodynamic rating of twelve. <laughs> the dynamic the dynamic uh, range, range of, yeah. of it yeah. in motion. Can Sorry, I just say the way the estate can appease fans as an alternative? One is the digital download code, make it HD files instead of MP3. Yep. That's one yes. sweetener. Yep. The second thing is is Okay, if you're going to insist on putting a disc in of edits that nobody wants, put in something unique to the vinyl version that counters that. For example, in the Sign of the Times Blu-ray that features the Peach and Black podcast, no plug there. (laughs) But inside that is a full 
size movie poster that opens up like it'd be cool mm. if in that edition if you're paying 400 bucks put in like a poster like that that can fold out that's 1999 or whatever and have that so that at least if you're buying the vinyl version you're paying all that money you get something okay yeah. you may not yeah yeah and that's two things that you could do that makes it a unique thing and the fans will go okay well i've got a disc of of a frisbee but at least uh, you know i don't have i've got this poster that other people don't have or whatever you know yeah. Hashtag, but it's overall, hashtag 1999 <laughs> Super Deluxe Fiasco. Tell us your stories of how you couldn't get this release. <laughs> well, I got another I got another gripe about the release, and that is there is no way to get the high-definition tracks, you know, the 24-bit ones, with the DVD in one package. If you want uh. the high-definition quality audio that is, you know, higher than the CD, and you want the DVD, you you have to double dip. You've got to buy the CD. You've got to buy the CD or the vinyl for the DVD, and then you've got to download the HD tracks from, you know, hdtracks.com or something like this. Pretty sure that's um, no coincidence. That's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no Marketing because of that. There's no way I'm going to buy. You know, if I had preference, I would obviously prefer to have the digital files in the highest possible quality. But then I also want the DVD. And so I bought the CD one thinking, well, you know, I probably can't tell the difference anyway. But still, it'd be nice for peace of mind to be able to just buy it once and have the highest quality audio available and the DVD in one package without having to double dip. So I kind of don't like the way they do that. Yeah. All right. Wow, we're still talking about promo and release-related... Lack of promo, lack of releases available, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so... Well, I mean, what else can we talk that, about? That's so, got to be like, like I said before, with the Crystal Ball fiasco. You know, we still, we're still joking about Crystal Ball fiasco from 1997, 1996. I think this is going to be remembered in a similar way because it's just been like the most poorly managed rollout of a release that I can think of. It's just well, so bad. The actual release date, it's Thanksgiving Day. You would think that uh, they would go, oh, it's a holiday in the U.S., Maybe we should move it forward or back a week. Yep. It's unusual that they would pick that. It's almost like they picked up a calendar and stuck it on a dartboard and threw a dart and then landed on that date. And it's like, we're going to... I think they missed a great opportunity to release it on the fourth day of November. That would have been awesome. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. That would... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Would have been perfect. Hmm. But again, again, talking about like just lack of knowledge about the material and this person we're talking about it's just like that probably that's not even in their brain they never would have even thought of that because they just don't know mm. they don't know the lyric to that that's song that's the kind of thing that prince himself would have done because he loved releasing albums on you know seven or he'd be doing something special on seven seven oh seven and this kind of thing yeah, I, yeah but wasn't it they announced this package like a few months ago and then it got closer and then they realized it was thanksgiving and then they've got like oh all the pre-orders are going to be bumped a week for the u.s people and I mean, this is the sort of foresight that they need to kind of look at. You know what's really ironic is with all of this, you know, delayed release-related chatter that we're having, I hate to say this because streaming does so much terribleness, <laughs> creates so much terrible, so many terrible situations and scenarios for living musicians who are trying to make a living off their music. But Get over it, living musicians. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> music <I> doesn't... <laughs> Free the music. (laughs) Ironically, the fact that this was released on streaming services allowed all of us to hear this magic. Yeah, Yeah, and I don't know about you guys, but the fact that it came out and we got so much music 
slapped straight across our faces and our collective uh, mm. ears. This is another massive conversation we just, as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is another... So let's maybe leave that for another time. But I just thought I'd point that out because you'd be in a worse state of wear, or worse for wear, I should say, and more, in, more depressed if you had ordered something and you literally had no way of hearing it. Whereas these days... You can just go on Tidal or Spotify or whatever it is and actually hear the music. And I think that's the one thing that saved it. Yeah, imagine well, if we couldn't hear it at all. Yeah. Not that only would be, yeah, this not only was it on the streaming services like Tidal and Spotify, practically the whole thing was released for free on YouTube as well. So yeah. Oh that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the whole I think album, I think that's a yeah. positive pretty much, yeah. I think they, they released them slowly over a few days, but basically it was all pretty much there. Um, and still is. So, I mean, that's obviously the direction they're going. But I think that was good as well because it means you didn't have to pay to be in a streaming service. You could just look this up on YouTube and you'd find it, which is good. Like, I get why they put everything on streaming services because it's 2019 and that's what everyone does. Everything gets out on streaming services. But then how do you not think about, you know, this is going to affect sales of physical product? And streaming a track, they get like three cents or some ridiculous amount of money. At least selling a CD, yeah, but it has to you're be gonna on there. Get, you know, yeah. you might get a dollar. Or, you know, it's a massive difference. So I think by putting it all out on streaming services at the same time as it was released, you know, they remember with Tidal, they had like a two week head start or something. Do something like that, so at least people are going to buy it in those first two weeks. Or if you can, if you can find it, yeah, <laughs> that's the yeah. problem. That's, so, the, that's the problem. Let's imagine it wasn't on Spotify. We'd be sitting here and we don't have our CDs. Oh We're still man, waiting we for it. Filthy. And we wouldn't have heard it. We would have been filthy. This yeah, would have been a would very... Have been absolutely we would have been so, whinging way more about <laughs> this, which is already a lot, but... Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. Spotify and Tidal and all that has saved our butt, really. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's crazy. I hate to give them credit, but and, and I don't think they deserve it. It's just it's just kind of... That's, that's what happened. Worked out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 2019 and music is streamed and we got lucky because... Everyone that was waiting for a copy got but to hear it, you know, so it's I just want to speak for me. I was on the fence whether you. I was going to buy a physical product because I just don't buy stuff like that anymore. And the fact that it's so hard to even get now, that's pretty much sealed the deal that I'm not going to buy it. Like, the streaming is great. I can listen to that. And let's not even... We'll get to the leak. <laughs> well, get, get into it now. I mean, Well, that was the mention. other thing. This album leaked just under a week before the actual release date. I think it was five or six days before the official release. Now, that could only yeah. have been leaked by someone who had an advanced copy, which would have been someone from some one of the big media organizations out there or some little DJ on a community radio station. Who knows? <laughs> you never know where these leaks come from. But the fact that happened just shows that you can't trust these people. That's the thing that annoys me. Like many of us, I'm sure, did, we contacted Michael Howe and the estate and like, you know, how do we get an advanced copy? We can do a review of it. And that didn't happen. And, you know, if we had received copies, whether it was digital files or whatever it was, I can guarantee you we wouldn't have been the one leaking it. And we're just a podcast with millions of hits, but, you know, whatever. But they send that out to a newspaper who no one even reads a newspaper anymore. And they literally write one paragraph. It's like, oh, it's a re-release, remaster of this album. Isn't it great? They get an advanced copy mm. for doing the most pathetic review you could ever well, possibly read. And we're going to do 500 hours in this, these reviews, but we don't get a copy. <laughs> so I don't know how that works. But see, all of this links back to, it seems like the, the root cause of the Super Deluxe fiasco is communication. 
or lack of communication between you know in every possible way like all these things about no, orders and stock down, and everything it, it's it's just I put it all down to no one knows what to do with physical releases anymore that's what it all comes down to I think people are concerned about overproduction is it going to sell physically that's what I think all the fiasco comes down to Ooh. but the way they're handling it isn't really helping you know, no, but I think that's just a sign of their. It's just a sign of their of the lack of unsurety about the scene, the physical scene. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we want to or if it's worth getting into speculating around supply chain and logistical issues because they're from my limited understanding. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. But the best thing they could do is come out and say, "Hey, listen." You know, there's been a delay. There's been a hiccup. Just acknowledge it. That's the best thing you can do is just let people know, like, what's happening. Because no one knows. The retailers can't give an answer. At least if they know, they can say, hey, there has been a delay. We do apologize. This is what's happening. You should get your order in, you know, such and such a time frame. That's really good to let people know so that Mm. they know where they stand. But see, the problem with Australia is someone at some point made the decision, no local stock for Super Deluxe in Australia. Now that's... Yeah, it's just hard to know. But that's, that's a very strange yeah, decision know, to make. For, for physical media, I think there's probably a point there somewhere because for physical media, it seems to be a different... We're living in different times. Like I remember the Beautiful Ones book that I pre-ordered on Amazon and then it was released and people were getting their copies and I didn't have mine and they didn't tell me hmm. that I wasn't going to get it and they didn't... At Amazon, that is. Pre-ordering. Didn't tell me... Yeah, they didn't tell me that it was late when they were expecting stock all they all they said when i rang them by the way (laughs) was that they didn't have it and they didn't know when uh, they were going to get it and just to bear with me and i i went nuts on the phone i was like i pre-ordered this where is it the the pre-order is the thing that's supposed to hold it's like when you reserve a car right you know that seinfeld episode he's like but i reserve the car the reservation is what keeps the car here exactly (laughs) so it's like one of those conversations but yeah there must be something to to the whole supply chain and ordering process of physical goods. How do you know what the supply and demand is? Because I was waiting for the beautiful... Like the Beautiful Ones book was... The worst feeling in the world was knowing that it's on the shelf in Kmart mm-hmm. in Australia and Amazon is telling me that my pre-order from six months ago, <laughs> not, on, not only do they not know where it is and they don't have it in stock, but they can't tell me when they're going to get it and then mm. how long they're going to take to fill the actual order, you know? So... I, I don't like, know. I pre-orders mean, to me are weird. I've never pre-ordered to... anything. If I cannot walk into a shop and buy it, I'm not interested. Mm. And that's exactly what's happening with this release. The fact that I cannot yeah. walk into a store and buy this now, and it looks very unlikely that that will ever be the case because it's they're just not getting local stock is what they've said. So mm. it's fairly likely I'm not going to buy this release at all now. And the longer I have to wait until oh. it's available, which is probably never, I won't be buying it. So that's that's that, basically. I think some <laughs> of our go. listeners on Twitter have also said they try to reach out to Warner Brothers Australia, trying to get an answer, and they never got anything back either. Yeah. Well, Warner Brothers did reply to me on Twitter, and they said, oh, look on our website. We've got the 99 Deluxe. And then you go and look at it, and the, the big vinyl box and the CD box sold out. The three copies that they were allocated sold out. And you can still buy the mm. one and the two disc, but who to, wants that? It went to Rocking Horse in Brisbane. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it is remarkable that you got that copy. Hold mm, on to yeah. it for dear mm. life, Toe Jam. Don't open it. 
Enough of this. All right, what else? We are a podcast. What else is happening out there that we well, can talk about we... before we close off this show? Uh, let's talk about the live stuff. So, okay, so we've spoken about a whole heap of studio material covering the first four CDs of this six-disc set. Uh, let's go to disc number five, which, again, we're going to talk about in detail, but just overall impressions and overview of this live concert, CD number five. What are your thoughts? Uh, like one of you guys mentioned earlier, this is, believe it or not, the first time that an entire Prince concert has been released as audio-only, the full concert, unedited. No, I mean, we had, no overdubs. Well, no, no overdubs. So, I mean, we had stuff like One Night Alone Live, but that's kind of like a compilation of different live performances with some overdubs. I mean, we had stuff like Love Sexy Live, which is technically, you know, a full-length live concert, but it's a VHS. Oh, yeah. Um so this is the first time, believe it or not, a full-length Prince concert has been released audio only, officially audio released audio, and it's um, prove, obviously prove soundboard. It's, it's not an audience recording or anything like that, and it's from one of Prince's greatest tours, the nineteen ninety nine tour. So I mean, what what more could you ask? It's great. Now that's what oh, they right, should right. put on the hype sticker, yeah. audio for the very first <laughs> yeah. time. Well, there you go, player. What do you think about this? This one being included? Yeah, I think it's definitely. It's great that they have included it and they've considered it. And I think, I hope they do that for future box set releases as well, that they include a live disc from the era that represents it. Some of the tracks, uh, I'll get to this in the review, but in general, like it's, it's, it's great. The sound quality is awesome, but yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that they actually considered to put it in there. All right. Captain. Ah, the live show. Well, the sound (laughs) is amazing. Let's say that. But it's not without its issues. Yes, I was, I'm was. i going to save that. <laughs> um, but for some reason, this was literally the last thing I listened to from this entire set. I went straight to the vault tracks, like I'm sure many people did. And then I listened to the remaster of the album. I even listened to a few of the tracks on disc two before I got to this. And I'm not sure why. It's weird because I used to be like super into live shows. But for some reason, I just wasn't feeling this and then the day we recorded this, I'm like, oh, I better listen to this. <laughs> One track is the worst for me, though, and that is uh, because of the audio quality issues. The mixing isn't perfect. You can hear definite shifts uh, in levels of audience noise and backing vocals yeah. and things, turning them up and down. And you can even hear Prince's mic muted at sometimes. You can hear him muted, through yeah. other mics on the stage saying things. And I'm like, why did you mute the mic? What did he say? What's happening? Uh, it's just a bit annoying. Well, I mean, on the uh, booklet it says it's mixed by you know David Z Rivkin, which you know mm. immediately tells me this was mixed back in the day. This wasn't mixed recently. I think I read they so, got I mean, him to I imagine do it, that's though. recently. Okay, I'm not sure. Can I interject something that's kind of on this subject, and that's relates to engineers and mixers? Like we've got Nico Bolas back helming this and Peggy McCreary is now turning up in a lot of interviews and stuff and I think that's great but my question is is why don't they get her involved in this project in the sense of mixing stuff since she was there since she was there I mean I hear all these stories of engineers going to her and saying hey we found this tape can you tell us and all this sort of stuff and it's like but why don't they just get her to come in and do it Mm. she's around to do it like is she retired like I just don't know the background story to it like why why they wouldn't use her mm. yeah, for these we don't know. sessions. It so it's the same with like reasons. Susan Rogers. I mean, they keep going to her and asking her things, but just get her in there and just she can do it herself. <laughs> you don't have to go through this middleman. It is strange to me. Anyway. Well, the good thing is it sounds good. 
The good Overall, thing it sounds good. Oh, it sounds it amazing. Sounds, yeah. It sounds full of life. It just gives you this incredible feeling that you're there, which is what a good show should do, right? So um, You know what else it does? It represents Prince's hunger at the time. Mm. Like he's still hmm. this pre-Purple Rain hungry guy. And you can hear like that in the recording. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what a live show should be. Speaking of live shows, again, we're just kind of glossing over these because we're going to talk about them in depth. But there's not just audio, there's video on here as well. The DVD (gasps) of a show approximately a month after the audio CD uh, that's included in this package. Now, the 1999 performance, the performance of that song, that is, was released on YouTube prior to the set being released to the public. What do you guys think of the DVD? Just quick high-level thoughts. Mm. Well, Toe Jam's got it. He can physically touch it. So that's mm-hmm. one thing. I mean, it's it's not without its issues in that it's not the clearest picture. It's a DVD instead of a Blu-ray or something. You know, DVDs are fairly low-sized format these days. Thankfully, though, the show's only just on an hour, so there shouldn't be too much compression on there. I mean, as much as it is a bit flawed, a lot of that is just the fact that this is a, you know, what, 37-year-old show probably not recorded on the greatest equipment. I mean, this wasn't recorded on film or anything like that. And because of that, it's a bit dark. And because they're, they're filming from far away, a lot of the times having to zoom in. So it's not always the most clear picture, but it is the best concert footage of this era anywhere. That you, won't, you won't find yeah. anything circulating in the bootleg that comes close to this in terms of the video quality and the audio quality. So there are some potential i mean some people have been saying it's slightly out of sync i don't think it is i think it's fine i think any sync issues are just the fact that it's a live concert being filmed from far away and so you know there might be some bleed going on in different instruments and this kind of thing that's affecting that but i mean you can't fault this too much you can point out the fact that it's a bit dark in places it's a bit blurry in places a bit of bleeding in the color but i mean that that's what you get for a concert filmed in in that with that equipment in in the early 80s um so and like i said you won't find anything better so Take what you've got. It's great. Mm. So if you're saying this is the best video footage we'll ever get from 1982, let's say late 1982, mm. early 83, um, it's release worthy. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. It's release worthy. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I mean, you're the only one that has it. So I don't know what else we're going to say among the, amongst <laughs> well, the three of us. Well, I've got some thoughts on it. I think it is what it is and it's better to have it than not have it. So all the issues aside, it's great to have. That said, I mean, they've put a lot of effort into this whole package. They could have done a little bit more with this particular DVD. There are people within the fan community that take footage like this and restore it frame by frame. In fact, there's people that have worked on this project that know exactly who I'm speaking of. Mm. And it's no trouble to get a hold of these people. And if they really want to, they could, you know, piece it together like that. Maybe there's only certain so much you can do, but there is the option there to, because I don't, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Tojem, there's no sort of start titles or end credits or anything. It's just the actual just show they've whacked on the disc, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I mean, you can skip, yeah. you can so, skip through to songs. Right. So it's tracked. It's tracked. Yeah. It's tracked. Yeah. But I mean, there's, <laughs> there's Aladdin, put it that way, Aladdin's <laughs> out there and that's a more recent show. So... Just to have this is great. This is better quality but, than Aladdin. 
in terms of video quality and editing. Well, and they, no, that's um, his picture size. That's his <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's close. It's pretty close. <laughs> Go get your super deluxe sets, people. <laughs> so in terms, I think it's great, and I think moving forward they should keep doing this. But if you can restore it, there are people in the fan community that are out there that are willing to do it. So one other thing I think they could have done with this is if they're going to put a disc on there, a video disc. Let's cut the chase. Let's make it a Blu-ray and let's put the concert and all the official promo videos on there as well. I mean, I know they're, they're all on uh, YouTube these yes. days anyway. But yes, 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 yes. You know, why not? A, a Blu-ray can't be that much more expensive to produce than a CD, than a, a DVD, DVD these yeah. days. So. Yeah, I totally agree with that because I was thinking today of all the promo videos, List Between and Married, all that sort of stuff, which never really got released back in the day officially. It's now on the YouTube channel. Mm. But to have that as a collection, I'd rather much rather that than the disc of edits, the Frisbee mm. disc. Mm. Well, they've even given us audio versions of video edits of the video. <laughs> right. But no, we can't get the videos. <laughs> oh, I guess, I guess it's my go. Yeah, sure. Go well, like some of us, due to the uh, Super Deluxe fiasco, I, I've still only seen the single clip that's on YouTube they put up. So I can't really comment much of it, but we're going to review the sh- whole show when we all get our copies at some point. But just going on the video of 1999 that they put up, which I'm guessing is indicative of most of that show, I'll say this. Like Tojam said, for a VHS from 1982, I, th- I think it's in pretty damn good condition. I mean, it's about the quality that I was expecting. So I wasn't blown away. I wasn't disappointed. I'm like, yeah, that's that's what it is. I mean, it's a bit dark in spots. It's a bit grainy. There's obvious artifacts here and there. But again, it's a 37-year-old tape. I'm actually almost <laughs> impressed that it's as good as it is. I mean, after seeing many grainy VHS tapes, you know, 7th generation some of which you couldn't even recognize which colorful blob on the screen was Prince or another band member. This is great. <laughs> this is bloody great. I just can't wait till we actually get to see the whole the whole show if we ever get our hands on a copy of it. Yeah. Awesome. We're pretty much at the end of the road, I think, for this show. What have we got left? Do we want to talk about the Estate podcast? Well, the Estate have an official podcast now that covers this album and they've divided it into four episodes. I think the content in it is great. It gives more back end to the stories and a bit more in depth of probably what's in the booklet. My only gripe with it is is I wish that because it's in a documentary presented as a documentary style, I'd love to see this as an actual video mm. instead of a an audio podcast because they're describing certain things within it and it's like if it was video yeah you would just Put it see on YouTube. it kind of like the, I mean, the the purple rain dvd documentary that kind of thing mm. yeah yeah that'd be great like an official 1999 vi- well video documentary yeah, that'd be good that would yeah be i mean and you can either you can either include it on the the set as like what tojem was just saying about the blu-ray or if not mm. youtube Sure, put it out for free, but put it on YouTube. You know, there was certain, like, for example, I'll give you an example. Lisa was talking about Prince was doing chords for 1999. He calls her over and says, hey, you know, copy this. And she had to copy the, the synth chords for 99 and he was running, grabbing other instruments. I'd love to see, like, Lisa sort of, you know, that I'm sort of musical nerdy in music production. That sort of thing, like, I really get off on. So, you know, if you could actually see that sort of stuff, I'd love to see that. And that's that's what I'd love to see instead. It's like reading a book, almost. There's this, there's, I think it was the second episode where Andrea was standing on the shores of Lake Riley and she's trying to describe it. It's like you, you get a certain vision within your head, but everybody's vision is different. 
if there was a video it's just like you see mm. the, this is where prince this is where his house was this is what it looked like you know i know the house isn't there but you know the surroundings this is what the surroundings look like and you know it just it, it sort of puts you more into or like even places around minneapolis and things like that that's that's my only thing with it if they're gonna do it like a documentary style like do like mini documentaries that'd be awesome i haven't listened to it <laughs> yeah i thought yeah I, I listened to the episodes i thought that was really good promo for the set i thought they did a good job at giving a little bit of backstory and building a an arc for you know where prince was at the beginning of let's call it the, the 1999 era or even prior to that they have a really interesting part about the rolling stones concerts that's kind of illuminating uh, but yeah it's cool um see when i was saying else? like musical production and stuff like 1999 is really the start of the you know quote-unquote minneapolis sound like there's touches of it in his previous work prior to 1999 but he really sort of masters it mm. on this album i would have loved to have seen you know dr fink has spoken in keyboard magazine of how he takes the oberheim and layers the synth you know eight or nine times and you know the lindrum you know prince wasn't using stock sounds out of that he was running it through a f- you know guitar pedal processes and things that sort of aspect of 1999 and the minneapolis sound that's the sort of stuff i would have loved to have seen i'm being nitpicky but like that that's the sort of thing that i like i like the stories of prince but to have that like as a video and they'd actually show you that that's that's the sort of stuff that i would have loved to have seen it's not a criticism it's just like a preference okay so before we close off the show or maybe this is the perfect way to close uh player do you want to plug the survey oh yes okay as we normally do with these big album releases we give our listeners the chance to vote on their favorite tracks this time we're getting you to vote on the vault track specifically and we've also thrown in some questions there around the general release like what we've been speaking about in this episode so what we need you to do is we need you to we've got a link on our social media pages go to our social media pages you'll find it there click onto it once you've heard the set once it's been delivered to you mm-hmm. we're leaving it open until the end of 2019 so it gives everybody a chance to vote so once you've absorbed it jump into the survey to survey planet is the platform the link will be there jump in answer the questions and then we will review track by track the vault tracks and we'll also announce where those tracks sit with you the listeners and what you like what you don't like if you've heard our surveys before you'll understand what we're getting at but we're trying to make it the most comprehensive yeah it's not it's not it's not massive it's only a couple of minutes get on there yeah it's, it doesn't take long to fill in but uh we go through it and we, we really like to get nerdy with the stats so we'd mm. appreciate it if you can go online find the link answer the questions and we'll announce the results in upcoming shows i've seen some of the people that have already voted thank you for doing so i've seen some of the early results it's very fascinating Ooh. so you're the only one who's seen them we don't know anything yes Correct. <laughs> he's getting those advanced insights now one last thing probably the biggest thing really we what is it they say we we buried the lead or something the biggest thing is peach and black plus <laughs> i think left the best to last peach and black plus it exists it is out there. It's in the wild. If you just cannot get enough Peach and Black podcast content now, you can get more. <laughs> at peachandblackplus.com. That's it. <laughs> that's our um, that's our attempt at doing some promo or advertising the show. It is um, there. Where but, are you? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it exists. It definitely exists. So, yeah, we launched that not too long ago, and uh, it's still fresh. The buns have, are, um, have been baked. Uh, yeah, and it's out there. So, if you're keen, head to pitchandblackplus.com to learn more. It's a patron-slash-listener-supported show where we uh, basically do more episodes. I've been recording more episodes about... Um, For a while. The live legacy. This is live legacy. Live concerts. So, if you're keen... As some of you have been, uh, we've received emails and no, private notes and DMs over the years saying, please do this, please do that, please do more. Well, guess what? Finally, we got our act together <laughs> and we're doing more for those who just want more. And uh, for those who the regular show is not enough for, you can head on there. And if the regular show is enough for you, then continue on as, as per normal. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Be regular listeners. <laughs> the regular show is not going anywhere. And speaking of the regular show, this has been another episode of the regular, normal Peach and Black podcast with player captain Toejamin, Rob S slash MC, whatever they call us. We are Peach and Black. And uh, we thank you for your company today. It's been another long one. And uh, this is just this show is one next, of our 19. Yeah, next, next episode is going to be the vault tracks. Tune Ooh, in. Yeah. yeah. Deep dive into the wait. vault. Can't wait to talk about those. All right. Catch you next time. Coming up on the next Peach and Black podcast. From that perspective, this makes perfect sense. And especially a guy who by that point was quoted in interviews as, you know, he had enough money to keep things going and the electricity was bills were being paid and the studio time, you know, that was all taken care of. But he's still not quite far out enough of that, I guess, middle class American lifestyle and stat and status, financial status anyway, that he can still sing about this sort of kind of I don't know rootsy he's not comfortable yet <laughs> yeah that's it he, so he can still kind of come up with this sort of stuff and, and he, hasn't he, got, he hasn't got that purple rain money purple yet purple rain money <laughs> <laughs> that's right so, uh, so I like this I really really like this and for me an early highlight on this set and one that I always get a smile when this song comes on You've been listening to another classic Peach and Black podcast. Catch all our episodes at podbean.com, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Mixcloud, and all good podcast directories. Search for Peach and Black Podcast. You can continue your Peach and Black experience online. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The Peach and Black Podcast is written and produced by Rob S., MC, Captain, Player, and ToeJam. Original theme music by yours truly, ToeJam. Audio production and additional audio editing by Captain at Funky Temple Studios. Episode artwork by Reverend. Share our podcast with your friends and Prince fans. If you love the show, please write a review and rate us. You can contact the Peach and Black Podcast by email at peachandblackpodcastofficial at gmail.com. 